This podcast is produced by Student Media. Student Media is a student organization at the University of Evansville. Student Media produces the Crescent Magazine, published online and in print three times a semester. Student Media produces several podcasts and utilizes design, photography, video, and sound towards experiential and academic learning in journalistic endeavors and engaging storytelling. Student Media elevates the voice of the student body and connects the campus and community to important information and points of view. To learn more, visit crescent.evansville.edu. Hello, players who take flirting at the table a little too seriously. DMs who make every single NPC the most conventionally attractive person you've ever met. Welcome back to Table Talk. I'm Maddie. And I'm Robert. Happy Valentine's Day, or at least it's Valentine's Day while we're recording this for another 15 minutes before it's midnight, and it is officially the 15th. Um, but we wanted to do an episode kind of in line? Yeah, kind of, sort of. So we were trying to figure out how to top a uh, role for romance, which just isn't going to happen. Um, Fun so- fact, <laughs> one of our most popular episodes and the only episode of ours uh, that was not like one of the first five we put out to be in the top five. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So we kind of covered a lot of like um, different ways you can be intimate with people at the table. We'll talk more about it in our episode that we've been putting off for literally over 20 episodes. Um, but in this one... We're going to kind of go through a little quiz that I found online. I was looking for ways to give my players like a feedback session kind of deal or like give me mm. feedback because some of them I have to come at with a pitchfork and other people <laughs> are like way too happy to write an essay. Like there's no real in between. Um, so I was looking for ways to like send them something like a Google Forms that they could fill out, which is like a general standard of like, what did you like about last session? What did you not? Like, what do you want for your character? Just things like that, because it's it's easier for people to like type that out and to think about their answer than to like answer right after the session hey what did you like what did you like especially considering one of the players i got from my text last time we were we were talking about who was going to dm um one of our one shots coming up and what did he say i think it was uh something about how he would prefer that i do it because i'm more intimidating (laughs) so if that tells you anything about why it might be difficult for my players to come to me that might be it but uh, we're going to walk through this quiz mostly kind of together. I'm going to basically ask these questions. Um, getting interviewed. Yeah, getting interviewed. To Madison, and then kind of the subtext of that, we'll be talking about specifically the relationships that um, like our players have at the table. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of everything. It's also just something fun to do. So this can be found on the internet. Um, if you look up D&D campaign refresher, D and sign D, it's not like in. Uh, it is by... Justice Raymond Armin. I hope I pronounced that right. It's literally the first thing that pops up when you look yeah. D&D campaign refresher. This guy basically made a whole post about how to um, do the whole damn thing. And uh, it's kind of crazy. We can also link it in the description of this. Uh, if you want to click the link, it'll yep. say like link or some shit. I don't know what it's going to say yet, but we'll link it. So we'll go ahead and hop into it. Um, on a scale of one to five, please rate your level of enjoyment for the following pillars of D&D. So there's combat, exploration, and social interaction. Okay. I Just because of speaking out loud, I'm going to put social stuff first. Yep. I'm just going to kind of rank them. Uh, then it was exploration and what else? Exploration and combat. Uh, mine probably be social interactions. Ooh, toss up between... Combat and exploration. I really love exploring a world. I do. However, I also like combat, believe it or not. I know that's it's a believe controversial it take for people who have met me and played with me. Um, 
I'd probably I'd probably put them about the same for me. So what? Combat three, exploration four, social interaction five. I would put combat and exploration as a four. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Scale of one to five. Please rate your level of enjoyment for the following element common elements of a D and D session. Jesus Christ. We're just gonna go through one at a time. Travel one through five. Uh, like a like a two or a three. Like a two or three. Okay. Why two or three? Um. <laughs> It's easier to talk about the lower yeah. answers than it is the higher ones. Specifically with the campaign that we are coming off the tail, like of like the one that we played previously, um, mm-hmm. which we talked about a little bit before, was very travel focused. I played a character who yeah. could basically whole create... sub theme of the fucking campaign was travel, man. Yeah, it. W- I could basically like we were never in a place for very long because my character had the power with not even using like a spell slot. Like this was just an innate thing that she could do. Listen to our um, previous episodes. Yeah. World Serpent Sand. Shout out Table Talk. Um, she could season. just create doors to anywhere in the multiverse. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we used that a lot. And so for mm. that reason, I'm like a, a little, little burnt, burnt out, on, out travel. on travel. Fair enough. Um, I think exploring, I think more of my interest comes with the exploring. I'm not someone who like wants to like, <sighs> you're going along the roads and you're camping. Like, yeah, I don't like, like the, that. You're in a caravan and you get yeah. ambushed by a group of kobolds. Like, yeah, that shit's not always That's fun. That's not for me. I think... That's more useful for like starting groups that are like really yeah. into the traditional high fantasy stuff and like they just want to experience like vanilla D and D fifth edition. You're in sorry, you're in like Sword Coast, Beirut, just traveling along a caravan, an ambush, random traveler, yeah, magical item. You know, like it's just a fun way to introduce random plot devices. Yeah, um, and there there are ways I think that you can use travel as a cool plot device, and then there are ways where it's just like okay, we're just we're camping, we're camping, <laughs> we're camping again, we're camping again. This oh, is a four, we're camping again. This is a five day journey. We're camping again. I'm making perception checks every oh, day. Oh, we're on a boat this time. Yeah, yeah, um, puzzles. Oh, okay. Um, we don't have a ton of puzzles at our table because we tried and it... Not a very puzzle-oriented group. <laughs> I'm just... You you saying that phrase and me thinking and physically seeing our players at the table in my head was a very funny image. Yeah, not um, a very puzzle-oriented group. No, I like puzzles. I do. Uh, I struggle with them sometimes, uh, yeah. like every D&D player does. I enjoy puzzles. I'm going to put puzzles a little bit lower on this just because of the group that we play in. You know, two and I, three. Yeah, I would say a three. A three? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the one thing that I struggle with the most with puzzles from the DM side of things is just making them meaningful beyond just like a roadblock yeah. or like a fun little element to like breaking into a thing. Like, I don't know. It, it gets to a point where depending on how like good your group is at communicating and working through puzzles... Um, how adept they are at the whole escape room bullshit. Sometimes it's just like an obstacle for them. Like there's nothing to it. It's just okay. We got to get through this door, but first we got to turn the key this way, and then we have mm-hmm. to pull the le- the lever this direction. But not before we plug this thing in here. Like it's just it becomes like a very um, like inorganic thing to just barrel through. So I think they're yeah. they're right and wrong ways to do it. Just a quick shout out. This <laughs> is um, I've seen people on like TikTok and stuff who have gone to have gotten their D and D table together and gone to escape rooms, um, and done escape rooms in character. You fucking flop, dog. Oh my god, I I th- we would die. We wouldn't make it. Our group would not make it out of an escape room. I think I would have is. to be the DM again. Like I think I would have to come in and like point people in directions. And that's the issue. That's the issue. This is why we as like a group of in real life friends cannot do escape rooms is because too many of us are going to play DM and yeah. we wouldn't let each other do things. Yeah, but that's just outside the point. of the table, a lot of people are very independent people, so sometimes at the table it's difficult to like get others Turning to listen to sometimes. other people. Yeah, 100% because they all want to go their own direction. Yeah. 
but dialogue. I think that that'd be a really fun thing to do. Uh, dialogue, uh, Fucking top five, 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 as yeah. high as it can go. We don't have to go into that one. Uh, villainous monologues, <laughs> uh, which we haven't gotten a lot of, maybe two or three. I we've gotten like one like half villainous monologue that I can think of. We um, had a full one with Kiloy a handful Yeah, that's of times. what I was talking about. Um, I was he's the closest we ever got to villainous monologues. Bits and pieces of him. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally bits and pieces of him. Yeah, never in um, one place at one time. I think that villainous monologues are funny. Yeah, especially in like a, a superhero setting. This is something I was talking with Madison about when we were going over the um, the quiz when we were having dinner. And it's basically the, like villainous monologues to me as a DM. They're because I'm I'm so anal at times about playing my villains like they're intelligent people or beings because they're not always people. Um, the villainous monologue thing just doesn't always appeal to me. Like the oh I'm so much better than you and you've fallen right into my trap. Oh yeah. you keep fucking with me, but like what is that really going to like the the talking down and the putting down and the then there's the spin on it which is like oh no like I'm going to offer things to you and I'm going to be your friend like there's mm-hmm. just only so many different ways you can take it. Yeah. And none of them are all that interesting to me like I'm very much an actions over dialogue kind of person. Um just because of my actions and consequences mentality when it comes to running a, a world or a campaign but I don't know the idea of just like spieling to like a group yeah. of five people it I just isn't that fun. interesting to me. I think it's very dependent on the setting. Like, I think if you're doing, like, Curse of Straw, yeah, I think that you need to have some villainous monologues in there. Like, like uh, that makes sense. If I ever wanted to do a villainous monologue, it would 100% have to be pre-written, and then I would just have to interrupt it with something stupid in the middle. Because, like, oh, I yeah. just... I don't think I could get through it all the because way. Because for, like, camp purposes, I would put those at, like, a three. And I just, I'm not a camp guy. I can't, it camp hurts my fucking soul. I love camp. Camp is, like, cringe in a way, and because it is that, I can't. I can't I'm do wearing it. highlighter colored sneakers. I'm fully aware. You don't have to remind me. Humor. Camp is everything to me. Humor at five. Yeah. I love humor. I think that if you're playing D&D in a completely serious vacuum, you need to get a grip. Yeah, no, 100%, which the next one on the list is seriousness. That being said, I would put that at a four. Seriousness for four? Mm-hmm. You were at five. I think that, and this is kind of like a note just in general, I think that some of the best comedy in the world comes from being able to live in, oh God, I can't say that, that sounds so actory of me, being able to live in your circumstances, which is basically me saying a lot of the comedy in your game is going to come from you living in this world and being dead ass. If you are playing a bard yeah. named fucking Dorito Chip McLovin <laughs> and you're like having a really serious That's moment, good. thank you. Dorito Chip McLovin. And you're like having this moment it doesn't matter that your name is Dorito Chip McLovin. That yeah. is objectively hilarious. Yeah, that's the funny but part like, about it. There's a serious moment or moments that are so serious that they then turn around and become funny. It's like, no, actually, fucking uh, Bobcat McGuire just killed my family. Yeah. Yes, his name is Bobcat McGuire. We're moving right past that. Fucking hilarious. Yeah, there's definitely like a, a good balance to, to strike. I've tried to lean more into the, the more lighthearted humor side in this campaign because I felt like I was a little bit too serious in the last one, at least in the first half of it. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's only so far that, like, a, a dark and everything sucks kind of world will get you with, like, just positive experiences at the table. I think, like, truly a lot of what keeps, like, the group morale going, not just as PCs, but as actual players at the table, is being able to laugh at the things that are happening and not to just be serious the whole time and constantly having to strategize and being planning mode and, holy shit, I could die at any moment. Like, that's fun sometimes but like yeah. after a certain point like giving your players that release is going to feel just as good as like 
putting them on the edge of their seat because, oh, this death saving throw is going to determine... Like, it also okay. makes the highers high and the lowers low. Yeah. If you have it gives you some variety. variety. And it's like, if you've only ever experienced like solid negative emotion in a campaign, then you have no idea what the other side looks like. Yeah. So it's there's just so many different ranges of emotion that you miss when you don't include kind of both sides of the coin. Uh, music. Uh... I'm making a five. Uh, yeah, I'm making I, a five. I have personally five. Like I can't do any of my my sessions without music. Sometimes I just I'll go from like the setting music, specifically in the last campaign, we would get like <laughs> an hour and a half deep into a combat encounter with a fucking D and D fifth edition fantasy playlist, and I was just like, "Cool guys, I'm switching to regular music." It's I it's cannot so fucking do this. Funny. There was a time I remember this vividly, and it was. You were describing how we're like walking into the inn mm. and blah blah blah, and you went to switch over to like another like D and D song, mm. and you like clicked the wrong thing, and it was whatever the fucking song that goes like Swalla La La is. Oh yeah, that, that's totally what that it is. Yeah, Swalla La by Jason Derulo. And <laughs> it, it was just one of those moments at the table where it's like cool. We're like so serious. We're getting the world described to us, and we're like, is that song playing? Is that Jason Derulo? And the idea, like, it was just... It's a bar? <laughs> what's the medieval, what's the fantasy version of Jason Derulo? I don't fucking know. What class is he? He's definitely a bard, like a like a solid bard. Okay. I don't know, he can be like a Fabian Seacaster type. Nah. No, with like all the dancing and the twirling and like did the... Did you see Cats? Because I did. Huh? He was in Cats. No, no, I didn't watch fucking Cats. Who do you think I am? Fair enough. He scared me in that. On a slightly more serious note about music, um... Don't get caught up on, this is just me kind of DM spieling, don't get caught up on finding like the perfect setting music. I mean, I scroll through Instagram or TikTok or Facebook like on any given day, and because I'm a DM and I like DM related things, it's just like app after app after app after app about like the perfect music mixer, and for two ninety nine you get access to 300 songs and a digital mixer, and fuck that, man. Like, find a playlist on Spotify or YouTube music or Apple music, whatever the fuck you use. And just click on it, and then fuck around with it, and if you don't like it, go to another one. That being said, if you are going to use one of those apps, there is one I like, because I've played around with it personally. Okay. I'm not saying you have to use okay. it. I'm go not ahead. saying you have no, to. No, plug it. I think that Pocket Bard is a really cool app. I've messed around with it a handful of times. It's pretty cool. I it's... just For somebody that likes more modern e-music, even yeah. in serious like fantasy settings, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, if you like fantasy, and it's all like royalty-free, and you get to like mix yeah. in, you can add sound effects. It's really, really cool. You should just download it and check it out for shits and giggles. Next one is props and deliverables. Five. I will never yeah. get those at this table, and I know that, but God, I love I them. I don't have the time or the energy or the want to make physical props. I'm a perfectionist at heart, and that's the reason why all of my work stays behind the screen, because I can hide the things that don't appear perfect, even if they come off really well during the session, and props and deliverables are just one of those things where I don't have like the, the remaining creative energy or drive to make physical things. I'd love to. Yeah. I just, I'd rather pay somebody to do it. Pay me. I'd rather pay somebody else to do it. I I've made so many props <laughs> and so many like physical things for our table, and talk, I've have talk not specifically been asked for any about how you feel props and deliverables add to a campaign in particular, or how a session. Because it's one thing to just say yeah. I like to have a physical object in my hand, versus like why you prefer to have a physical object in your hand. I think it's something that it. <laughs> Well, on multiple different levels, I think it makes things feel more real sometimes mm -hmm. um, for you to see the object that you've been talking about. 
yeah. uh, in front of you, or even if it's not an object you're talking about, it's something that you're just handed. It's just it's one of those things where it's like a lot of D and D feels like a puzzle game sometimes, mm. and I feel like that's one of those aspects that makes it feel a little bit more key. like puzzle. Ga- yeah, and yeah. it's really cool that way. And I think it's also a thing of like. It's more engaging for the players sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's because you get to pass around and hold this physical object, and it brings you to like together in a way. And then there's another note of it, which I think is also like it kind of to me at least it gets me in character and it makes like role play easier. I made um I've made like several things for people at our table and for our table in general just on my own. And one of them was like friendship bracelets. I made friendship bracelets for everyone in the party. Um, that would be like something that my character in the game made for everyone and gave to everyone. Mm-hmm. And like being able to have these bracelets that I have that say my like character's best friend's name and my character's favorite superhero on it mm. is like one of those things where it's like yeah I know I'm playing a game but I can look down and be like this is who I am right now this is the world I'm in yep um I just I think they're really I think they're really yeah, neat. They, they do a lot to ground there are some settings that lend themselves more to physical props than others like I can tell you <laughs> cyberpunk setting like 2099 2077 that does not lend itself at all to physical props because yeah. sky is the absolute limit i mean you're basically like cool i have to make a prop of a piece of technology that doesn't physically fucking exist yeah i think like the like closest... i can make a shitty amulet from fifth yeah. edition like i can do I, I can cool a staff you can go to hobby lobby and get that. i got a stick right outside yeah you know like but then it's like cool here's this incredibly like advanced piece of technology that you've been using as like an arcane focus or like as a power thing or whatever the fuck and it's like okay I, I can't I don't the materials for this don't <laughs> exist in real life yeah I, I think the only way that I could see that really working is if like you like digitally designed something and then sent it out to players but like once 3D again 3D printing I guess could be a way to do it oh yeah we but we don't have that budget one. yeah that's why I was like cool we pay somebody okay um, on to the next one. I enjoy the following styles of adventure. Check all that apply. Yeah, that's my that's kind my of shock on this one. This is where um, I'm get in trouble. Dungeon crawl. I'm not a big dungeon crawler. Okay. Um, high fantasy. Mm, see, here's the thing. With uh, the right circumstance. Yeah, I'm high fantasy with an asterisk being a uh, femme person and a neurodivergent person. High fantasy is not always the most welcoming, uh, just in the nature of the way the world is written. I like high fantasy yeah. with a twist. Fair enough. Uh, heist. I think I I would love to do a heist. Well, I think you guys will be coming up on something very similar to that soon. If God forbid we ever get past this fucking session, um, horror. I for someone who if I love lighthearted stuff. I'm so excited to do anything. Horror. I love horror as I well. I am <laughs> waiting to do this Last of Us one shot. I'm hoping sooner rather than later. God, I can't fucking wait, man. Um, intrigue. I I think that kind of goes or no I guess it doesn't I it's a little different I, see when I read intrigue I'm thinking more like Noir. like political oh, kind of okay. detective like it's a little bit of both where it's like it's very um it, see the issue is that mystery and investigation is also a category on here huh there's a little bit of overlap there's a little bit of overlap because to me I would put intrigue and mystery kind of in the same one because when I th- in- mm. intrigue I'm thinking like um, film noir yeah, detectives yeah. PIs which I would love to play I think that'd be super fun I'm sure we'll do it eventually man yeah, yeah. Um. so I, I like intrigue sure oh. I'll fuck with that low magic ooh um Low magic is so unspecific and yeah. that's kind of what sucks about like the title is being a like a style of adventure Mm-hmm. Because low magic is almost impossible to escape from in fifth edition. Like, Correct. so in the system that we're playing in, go listen to the previous episode. It's all about powers. There's not a whole lot of magic. I would consider this world a low magic world, um, just because we don't have a lot of characters that use it, and that was just a decision that the players made. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where, like, because we have such a low magic focused 
player group, I don't focus on magic nearly as much as I do like animal powered stuff mm-hmm. and, and different things like that, even though nobody in our campaign, none of our players are animal powered. But like it even then, the powers that you use are still technically a form of magic. Like if you yeah. just based off of like fifth edition rulebook and spells, that's exactly what that is. It's just reskinned. Yeah. I don't think low magic exists in the way people like to think it does. Like to me, low magic is Last of Us or um, I was gonna say I, low magic to me is like just people with hands. People with hands. Um, yeah, you know, or it's all martial or yeah. like I don't. Eh. It's not my favorite. I like a little bit more like fantasy. If you're gonna flavor it in a cool way, sure. I think sci-fi is a cool way to do low yeah. magic. Yeah, uh, but once again, that goes into like like. But a lot of that mechanically comes out to be Correct. magic. I think low magic is just a reskinning. Yeah, ninety-nine percent of the time. I agree. Um, mystery investigation. We already talked about that. Yeah. Urban. Uh, f- uh, top. Yeah, Urban's I love fantastic. playing in urban settings. Uh, yeah, I prefer it a lot more to fantasy. Um, planar. I don't really know how to interpret that. Planar, I'm assuming like it's space. just yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. It's just a weird way to phrase it. Um, I uh, I wouldn't rank it as high as some of the others, but I think it would still be fun. I just think that there's an opportunity for it to become a little bit monotonous and a little bit like jargon heavy and jargon focused. I agree. Um, I enjoy the following styles of play: comedic, a five, hundred percent, gritty realism. Hmm, three. Okay. I think it can be fun, but not for long form. Not for long form. I think, um, like, gritty realism would be, for myself personally, I think that that would be more suited to, like, a one-shot. Right. As opposed to, like, a long form ca- campaign. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, hack and Slash. Once again, that's one where I think is fun. No, well, I would love to play that as a one shot. I think that'd be fun, and I think in one shots, I am more like hack and slash style of like, yeah, I'll fucking hit first. But for long Mm. form, that's not really my play style. Right. No, that's totally fair. Um, Heavy social interaction. We already know what that is. Resource management. I the lowest. I don't. Yeah, we haven't. I haven't done anything for them resource management wise. I think it is an incredibly. Not boring. I don't want to say boring because I've seen people in actual plays where it's kind of like a fun, like base building thing. I think is where resource management comes in well. Um, I mean, Fantasy High Junior Year is doing that really cool right now with the character. Um, Adine plays a wizard, um, mm-hmm. or Adine is a wizard, uh, and he's a wizard. She's talking about in her classes, her sh- one of her like basically her textbooks for class are ten barrels of diamonds, and she's like, cool. I'm a teenager. Yeah, it's not physically fucking possible. Um, I what what? How the fuck do I get diamonds? Oh, cool! I've got to get a job. I'm working for three copper pieces. <laughs> three copper pieces an hour. Yeah, I think resource management can be used when you're trying to scale the task that your players have to um, tackle and accomplish compared to like what the world around them is like. Yeah. Like in that in that example, I think that fits it perfectly. Like if I say, "Cool, you all need to go and purchase a caravan to move through this land like undetected or without hostility," and it's like, "Cool, we'll go shack up with a caravan. That'll be easy." Nah, that's like two hundred gold. Yeah. Because it's like that's food, that's time, that's company, that's protection. Like I think resource management is a really fun way to sort of ground players in the world that they exist if that's the kind of thing that you like to do. We took in our previous campaign the opposite approach, um, which was Dear we Lord. basically became Bezos rich. Um Yeah. So quack. Like so quack. So quass. It was supposed to be so fast and, fast and quick. <laughs> so quick. Yep. That we destroyed the economy and like just about everywhere I mean, they like, went, really. Destroyed the economy. They introduced so much fucking towns. money, man. We were like, we need to go like in a ship, and we need to go somewhere. Uh, and I think and the... we were like, does like 
a hundred mm-hmm. like or like what like how high do we have to go we were like is like a hundred platinum cool and they were like yeah platinum what? is like more yeah i don't think most of these people haven't seen a platinum piece for those listening i'm pretty sure a hundred platinum is ten gold pe- or one platinum is ten gold pieces yeah which is nuts by the way when you do scaling all the way down to fucking copper pieces um yeah, I think it, it also works to do the opposite. When you throw in resources and abundance and just be like, cool, like this doesn't, you can't do anything with this. Um, because there are some players that are like, I'm going to make money and then buy things with it. And then there are other players that are like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm going to just fucking persuasion my way through I mean, every I'm and anything. I mean, I'm playing a character that she does have to give a shit. Part of her thing is mm-hmm. she is a broke. Yeah, like, she doesn't have like the money for all the fancy tech and then yeah. and the fancy suit materials. She's working with superheroes who are in like uh, threaded Kevlar and mm-hmm. uh, nanotech and like armor, and she's in a denim jacket because denim yep. jacket seems to stop and see, or I at think, least slow things. I think that, are hitting that is her. a form of resource management. Yeah. I think that is a very real way of going. Hey, this is a world that we're playing in. You need to make money. You need to have some form of income because, like, there are materials and, and weapons and new technology that you're going to buy. That tends to lend itself more to modern settings than anything. But anyways, I digress. My preferred narrative style is linear. I want someone to tell me which way to go and give me a limited number of choices. Malleable. I want to know what to do, but I want to do it my own way. Open. I want the freedom to go wherever I want and bounce between the side quests without feeling pressured. Ooh. I think... I kind of bounce depending on the day, truly. Yeah. Um, I think I would fall more moderate than anything else. I love sandbox world. I love being able to like explore, but I also love because I'm playing with a group of people to be able to be like, cool, we all have something that we're working towards. Yeah. And cool, you can give me a task. I love that. Great, give me a task. I'm going to do it however the fuck I want. I, Uh, from the DM's perspective, I bounce between all three of these. It just depends on the session and how much I need to get done and what those things are. Like, if it's cool, we're very clearly going into a combat encounter. We've done all the setup for it. No, you cannot go do a side quest because that's going to fuck up everything. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw in some narrative barriers to be like, you're going to lose the person you're chasing or they might, I don't know, fucking turn it around on you and ambush you. Like, you just don't know where they're going to come from. But, like, if it needs to be linear... I will give you two choices, and you're going to yeah. pick A or B. There is no C, D, E, F. You're not throwing this off. It's very funny. I will smite you. I will take away your belongings. It's very funny, because you could see the shift like with Robert at the table sometimes when a character is trying to do something, and he goes, okay, cool. We're putting the the little the little bumper cars up on the side of the bowling alley. Yeah, sometimes I have to go from DM to person and be like, hey, player, um, Look me in my eyes and ask me that question again, and you tell me if you think you should do that in this moment. Yeah. Like, sometimes you just got to become a real person instead of a DM and just back up and be like, hey, no. Just be like, hey, man, the fuck is up? Mm -mm. What are you doing? And then malleable, I think, is where I like to be open. The issue with open is that if you have any kind of a fucking, like, objective or campaign idea or an ending or plot hooks, goodbye. Yeah. See you later. Never going to touch them. They're going to end up in another fucking country or a different planet or a different realm doing some bullshit you never wanted them to do in the first place. Yeah. So I think open is really fun to start a campaign and to do a little bit of middle campaigning. But I think like the intermediate places where you like have to get them to go malleable and linear are just the only really two options to do it. Yeah. I like the idea of like they think they can do anything, but they really can't. It's very much like in the Hunger Games when you put the tributes in the arena and it's like, oh, it's so big and endless. And, and then, then they you die to the th- wall. And then you go to the wall and you're like, get the fuck back in. Yeah. That's what it's like playing tase, with Robert tase, sometimes. Tase, is the tase. T- <laughs> that exact energy right there is you going tase, tase, tase. Yeah. 
I use consequences as my bumper cars. I go, cool, if you make that incredibly stupid decision in this moment, there will be severe consequences. Yeah. And some people have learned more than others. <laughs> other people are still learning a little bit. Um, sometimes you, you got, the consequences don't matter. And you just got to tell them no. Yeah. Um, side quests are distracting, enjoyable, alluring, or tempting. Uh, I think they're like, I don't know which this would fall under. I think they're intriguing. We don't do a lot of them. Um, because yeah, we I haven't like... had the fucking option to, if, yeah. it, if I'm being honest. I yeah. love side quests. I think side quests ground people in a world. I'm not the traditional side quest DM where they don't fucking matter, and I'm just putting bounties up on a bounty board, and you're going yeah. to get 10 gold here. That's what two I'm saying. Is like all of there. our like side quests have been in a roundabout way, yeah. somehow, and some way connected to the bigger story. And I love that. I, I love think that's the so that much better small. than. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's very similar to. If for any of our, our listeners that haven't seen, um, fan, not Fantasy High, Jesus Christ, Unsleeping City, I think if I had to give like a textbook example of a campaign of an actual play I've watched slash listened to that does side quests in a really unique way like that, where everything is a little story focused, it would be that. Yeah. I think every single side quest for every single character had something to do with the main quest, even if they didn't know it. Yeah. And that's that's 100% my preferred way to do it. Um yeah, I don't really feel any particular way about those, like distracting, enjoyable, alluring, tempting. I mean, I think it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. When it comes to character-driven quests for other players' characters and their backstories, I am happy to participate whether or not it relates to my character, will happily participate so long as my character gets their own arc at some point, will begrudgingly participate, or would rather not have individual character quests. I think the last one is an interesting option. Yeah, I'm... I would put myself at the top, uh, the, the top option. Happy to participate, yeah. whether it relates to my character or not. And I say, normally I would pick the second, but mm -hmm. I think that this particular character that I've been playing in our current campaign has helped me kind of reshift and realign that. Yeah. Because uh, for the bulk of the beginning of our campaign, um, I was taking a backseat in terms of like um, a lot of people's like arcs development, um, mm -hmm. like just the shit they were doing. And I thought that that would be something that I would be like a little bit more like, mm, I'm not super yeah. thrilled about it. But I like, I enjoyed seeing other people and seeing the people that I like love to play with and yeah. like the people that are my friends succeed and happy. Do I think everyone at the table should get a character arc if you're going to do that for some people? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I'm just, I think that you got to support your fellow players and I think it's a really fun thing. And if you let yourself just be fucking happy to be there, it. It makes a world of a difference. And I, I do my best to make sure that everybody's individual character quest or character arc directly impacts at least one to two. Ideally, everybody in the party. Mm -hmm. Minimum, I'm like one to two. Just either pieces of information that are gathered are pertinent to somebody else or a character that's been introduced is going to be used for another character. And I try not to make them like impossible to see because it's throwing in like the smaller fish hooks that other players are going to pick up while singular player is getting their quest is sometimes just enough to like wait in the wings. This is very clearly for you. This is something you can interact with later. It gives them something to look forward to. And I, I try to make it so that every player quest has um, some, I don't know, some interaction with another's or will kick off another one. Mm -hmm. Also, you'll find as a DM, if you're, you're doing it for the first time, second, third, fourth, doesn't matter, that like... Player arcs and and player character arcs uh, happen in different links at different speeds at different times. Like someone like Nightlight, it has a significantly like slower and longer arc. Like I think by the end of her 
character arc, she will be at a, a much farther place, but a, a significantly bigger jump. There's not as many small stops along the way. Yeah. Whereas somebody like the Shadow, who has a lot of things to work on in the immediate, is going to hit a lot of those big story bumps very quickly, mm-hmm. because that's the nature of his character, right? It's like old man who's an established hero, who is going through a lot of things and is like trying to be a better person, meets good people. That's going to happen immediately, versus Nightlight, who's trying to learn how to be a hero from four people she just met, who are at all very differing levels, um, that's going to take you significantly longer to hit those those bumps and those arcs because it yeah. literally requires you to watch the other people at the table. Yeah. I think it's uh, that's a really good way to describe it because I think that that's also something where like sitting back and watching your fellow players is kind of knowing that like people go at different speeds. Mm. People sometimes you're going to see three characters hit their massive story beats in the same session. Yeah. And then other times, no one is going to hit a big story beat for three sessions. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's just, it's going to vary. Yeah. The lines are they're all differing links, different dropping points. So I think just trying to stick with it and being as supportive as you can is, is an easy way to get at least a quicker story point for me. Like, if you're at least engaging with the hook that I've given somebody else that very clearly doesn't pertain to you or doesn't have to pertain to you... That's going to make it so much easier for me as a DM to then give you your next hook. Like, if you're yeah. not participating, what, participating in this person's arc whatsoever, I have no way to interact with you, like, from yeah. a story point perspective. But if you are at least there in the room, you're talking to people, you're supporting, you're doing whatever, your presence alone in that arc is going to give me significantly more opportunities to then yank you into your own. Yeah. Like, you're also going to miss those things if you don't engage with other people. So 100%. You're going to miss those hooks that are in there for you. And is somebody that that prides themselves on putting in a lot of different hooks um, and twists, you need to participate in every story point because I, yeah. I promise there's always going to be something for every character. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. I have a player at our table legitimately... Uh, pick up a document that had a piece of information on it that my character had been searching for for in real life, me as Maddie, had been looking for this fucking piece of paper for two real years. And I watched him in the game, and I've been playing with this same person for those two years. I watched mm-hmm. him in the game as like his character pick it up, go, huh, that's weird, and throw it away. That yeah. was crazy. There are times to metagame, there are times not to metagame. That might have been a time to be like, hey, man, can you just... And uh, that's a point where I try to go, I try to save it and go, give me an inside check to see how important this piece of paper is. No, you did. He and just... if you roll low, you roll low. It's your decision. You know what I'm saying? If it's that important, I'm not going to let you fucking throw it in the garbage can. But, you know, I don't let people make their own decisions. That was a situation where you explained what the plot hook was and he went, okay. That's I cool, just I guess. I don't care. Yeah. Which, don't be that guy. Okay. Um, I think. Yeah, I, because we haven't talked a whole lot about romance at this point, being a Valentine's, kind of Valentine's Day special, uh, I think talking about quests and just, the, I mean, the whole everything we mentioned at this point, romance is such a difficult thing for me at least to actively think about on top of all of these other elements. <laughs> like, if you notice, one of the one of the elements, common elements that was on that list, not a single thing on there had anything to do with romance. Yeah. Like, not a one. Out of the common elements of a D&D session, travel, puzzles, dialogue, villainous monologues, humor, seriousness, music, props, and deliver or deliverables. Villainous monologues is on the list, which I didn't even <laughs> think was going to be on there. Yeah, but romance isn't. Relate, like, like intimate relationships a, aren't on there. For a loop. And I think that very much attests to what the scene in the hobby is like and that a lot of people are afraid to take that, that turn or afraid to interact in that way. One, because it's incredible 
incredibly awkward, especially the first couple of times you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you are actively, most likely, having to flirt with a real human being that you know <laughs> in real life that you yeah. will see outside of this session um, in front of a table or a room or a fucking Zoom session in front of four to five other real life human beings that are going to watch you fucking flop like a fish on the table yeah. trying desperately to come up with something oh, like smart I, to say. Listen, we could use examples from our real life table for this <laughs> because I'm telling you, it was, I, I won't go in like too much like detail. Yeah, here, we don't want to shame anybody. No, Learning I'm not, experience. I'm not even, no, Learning I'm not, experience. I'm not going there. I'm going a different direction, I promise. Um, so our personal table is uh, most of us who live in a house together um, including Robert's fiance oh, and uh, my friend, um, and it's also all men, with the exception of um, L. And desperately, then desperately. two of um, our other friends that come to the house, both men. And if you can't tell already, uh, I'm kind of an odd one out at the table. Yep. Um, romance is not something that we ever really touch. We kind of talked about this in the Roll for Romance episode of like, that's a weird line mm -hmm. for us as a table to cross. Table's just not super comfortable with it. Yeah, you know? with this particular group. And I completely understand why. However, Robert and I have talked outside of the table and we wanted to introduce romantic interests. And there was one that uh, two characters, or a uh, Damn. character, <laughs> I just knocked the fuck Smacked out of the mic. Smacked the shit out of the mic. Jesus. Um, and my, we had talked about this, um, my character and one of these NPCs having um, some type of romantic relationship. And it was the first time that this has been like truly broached at the table in a way that wasn't like a throwaway joke of like a sleazy character being like, hey, do you want to sleep with me? Um, or something like that. And I mean, that's still kind of what it was because he was like a little an bit. asshole character and like a, like a sleazeball. But he wasn't like... That's besides the point. <laughs> the way that this table reacted to... Oh God, viscerally. Their it first, was... like, true encounter to, like, regular, non, like, sleazebag, Jack Sparrow-style romance was mm -hmm. just visceral, man. It was... It was, like, booze. I mean, it, this, this isn't exactly what happened, <laughs> but the vibe in the room was, like, booze. We're throwing tomatoes, throwing cans. It was We're insane. rioting. The looks on these people's faces. And, like, don't get me wrong, it was odd, for sure, because it was, like, our first time exploring that at the table, but it wasn't even anything extreme. And you would think at, with the look of the people, uh, the rest of the players faces, you would think that this character, the character jury had asked my character to just straight up, like have sex fuck him right now. Yep. He was like, give me a head in the security room. That's not yeah. even what happened. No, that he was like, the thing. Put that... his arm around the back of her chair. Didn't touch her physically around the back of her <laughs> That's chair. That's the thing that killed me. And somebody went, oh, brother. Like, <laughs> seriously? He didn't even touch her, man. It was the most, like, surface level, like, shitty flirting. It was like, yeah, you make me want to be, like, a better person. Like, it yeah. was, like, cringy. Which is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. He's, like, he's a fucking, he's like a frat guy. He's a frat yeah. guy that's hit 24, 25, and it's just, like... He's he's confident in a really shitty way. Yeah, and it was not anything that was crazy, but the way that people at the table oh reacted, you, I felt slut shamed. There were I several. I legitimately times. in real life felt slut shamed, and I didn't even do anything. There were several times where I had to to ask people to like calm down and to stop making so many remarks because it just got <laughs> difficult to role play it when I had people. Throwing fucking verbal tomatoes at my face, being it like, "Boo!" The looks of disgust. Fuck this guy. 
Half of you don't even know him. Half of you haven't been introduced to him. Like, you just don't like what, like, I don't even know how to call it. But anyways. It was crazy. Romance is but... difficult. It's something we've attempted to introduce, or I've attempted to introduce in the last handful of sessions because I'm, I'm starting to get more comfortable with, with my role playing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fun. I think it adds a whole extra element to the game. It makes intimate relationships more intimate. It makes stakes more interesting. There's just so many different things you can do with it. And it, it doesn't have to be... Like, you as a DM do not have to crawl across the table, hop in a guy's lap, and be like, hey, let's have sex right here, right now, in this really steamy cabin. You don't have to do that. You can just be like, in the bar, the cute bar that you've been eyeing the whole night, winks at you, and then, like, goes away. Like, that's allowed. Cool. You can talk to her tomorrow now, or you can follow her and be like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm not gonna fucking, like, I'm not gonna read Fifty Shades Grey to you at the table. For a romance encounter. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's it does not have to be, like, if that's the vibe at your table, I'm not shaming you. It's fine. Totally fine. It's crazy. But, like, the idea that you can't, like, just flirt with someone, and, and there's also ways of, like, if that's a weird boundary for you to cross, I think there's also ways to be around it. Um, something that, like, as I was, like, trying to get used to this, because, like, as an actor, I'm like, I, with the energy in this room right now from the other players at the table, I cannot... <laughs> I cannot role play right now because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid they're going to jump across the table and be like, you harlot. Like it was, it was, yeah, it was, an it was intense, some pretty intense energy. It was an intense energy. It was just a very um, visceral response to romance being introduced in like a true, like a tried and true way with a character that they weren't all fans of as people. And yeah. it just, you know, I got a lot of hand. It was a little, little middle school boy. It was, just, <laughs> it was, which is funny because then the next session we had. A girl fell on top of a guy, and one of the players' responses was, Riz her up. I... Rizzler. I would love to talk about the fucking patriarchy, and, like, I know, like, a Going crazy. It was nutty. By the way, by the way, the hero, the hero that Nightlight was in a slightly romantic situation with is a hero. Yeah. He's a hero. Most of them know him as a hero, actually. You, the person that fell on top of our other character is a fucking villain that downed one of his close friends twice in front of him. And they were like, yeah, get him, man. And they were like, hell yeah, riz her up, say something. And he was just like, uh, uh, <laughs> thanks. But Jerry asks Nightlight if uh, she want, if he wants to work a private case together, and then everyone is like, whore. Boo hiss. It was, it's such I will say, I, dis- I disagree that it was directed at you as a person. No, I think it was at I think the it was. I think it was very much directed at Jerry as a character. I, for some of it, yes, but it also felt like a lot, and, and this is also me kind of being on my feminist soapbox of like, I think that there's also a dynamic of me being the only girl and the youngest yeah, no, person at the table. Definitely part of it. Um, that and a lot of the session before that, which we've talked about, was very traumatic, oh, yeah. and there was a lot of a lot of death and a lot of stakes. And I think several players came out of that being like, "I have to protect her in the proper timeline." I'm a literal a fucking quote from person. somebody was, "I feel like I have to protect her in this moment. I'm going to follow her." Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Uh, my girl went to go out on Absolute what was basically a booty call. She got bozo. a she got a you up text at night, and she was and like, this "Yeah, I'll thirty go do year old man shit. was like, I'm gonna chaperone." And I said, "You don't have to do that, man." And he was like, "Nah, I'm going to." So this entire encounter, by the way, uh, there's a thirty year old man about like forty feet away from her at all times, just watching. Um, yeah, it was bad. It was. It was. Nuts. Anyways, but, no. Going back to what I w- I meant to say something earlier. Say it quick. Um, I this is related. I have questions about combat. Say it I quick. I know. Um, talking about uh, like 
trying to approach romantic relationships at the table and like flirting at the table when you're not comfortable with it, you can also describe what your character is doing without you actually doing it. I do that shit what, all the time. Which is what I did a lot of that session just because of the energy at the table was a I little weird. I pop out like, of those more awkward interactions. Yeah, I and do. I was you like... You see her do this. You yeah. see her say that. Like, First of all, I was like, A, I need to ease these people into it. Um, and yeah. B, it was... Which is why I'm trying to introduce it to other yeah. people. Because it's like, cool, now you can't be mad and awkward because it's also happening to you and yeah. you and you and you. If you don't want to take, if you feel uncomfortable saying like a, basically a pickup line to one of your friends, which is a completely normal thing to be uncomfortable and with. Things that they all do in real life, by the way, <laughs> to each other at the table unprompted. They're grabbing each other's asses at the table. It's. Whoa. Don't out them like that. I'll out them. Some of them have girlfriends. Jesus. They know. Keep it together, ma'am. Um, but being able to be like, cool. Um, like I, like she blushes and laughs and like tucks her like hair behind her ear or something like that. Not a single word was uttered. Not a single yeah. thing. Not, you don't even have to say word. It's also he a blushes. thing of, like when you're he talking blushes. about like that's it flirting at the table and stuff. A lot of that situation in like in real life is physical, not in the way of like mm-hmm. you're touching somebody else, but it's like your body language and it's the way you say things. Yeah. And sometimes those things could get lost at the table where I realized very quickly, I was like, cool, all of the flirting she's doing is like negging and it's just coming across <laughs> as like really it aggressive. Was. It fully and, was like, negging. <laughs> shutting him down. And I'm like, no, 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 she's not trying to. It's just me as Maddie can't do that. At the table, because like, like it's not translating well. So being able to be like, okay, cool. How do I get across the intention of this thing? As a, because I'm not playing a high charismatic character, and I think it's different if you are playing high charisma. Mm. But like, being able to describe a little bit of like, oh, she blushes and says this, or like, because I had to catch myself several times to be like, no, that wasn't like, I, I'm, I'm like, this is me, Maddie, like letting that. you know that My this bad. is her flirting. She's not like, mm. she doesn't actually think that negging. It's it was bad. That was it was rough. It yeah. did not translate at all. But it worked very well for the character. Yeah. Okay, going back to the questionnaire. How would you rate the difficulty of combat in our games? Trivial, <laughs> crank it up a notch, pretty easy, just right, pretty hard or brutal, please dial it back. Probably somewhere between or no, I'm confident in saying pretty hard. I don't think it needs to be dialed back too much. Um, wow, so somewhere between pretty hard and brutal? No. Wow. No, I would wow. say more between just right and pretty hard. Okay, I'll take that. It's like pretty That's hard in a good for, way. See, Most of the time. However, there's some times where I'm like, you got to take it fucking easy. I there are down, some encounters that you're not designed to win. I would. I was down three times in the last combat encounter. Twice. If you had gone down three times, you would have died. No. Just twice. Because Well, I went down to four one time, and I considered that a down. Okay, well, that's not a down. Well, it Down is like a death saving throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty hard and, and brutal. It, I, I aim for pretty hard. Brutal, I think. Again, I think these are all scales. There are some combat encounters that I designed to be trivial. There are some that I designed to be just right. There are some that I designed to be brutal or pretty hard. Most of the time, I'm aiming for pretty hard because I like my combat to be as challenging as the roleplay is. Um, I don't, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a difficulty person. I like to see players and player characters grow through adversity. I think that's just how it happens. Yeah. Um, and I think making your combat as difficult as you make your role play, which I, I, I give them a lot. I mean, 100%. Um, I am intimidating oftentimes as a DM. That's what I go for. Uh, I make the role playing very, not difficult to interact with, but there are a lot of roles. There's a lot of high stakes there's a lot of watching what you say and paying attention to the people that are in the room. Um, I don't know. I just There's some challenge to the game that I, I particularly enjoy a lot. Uh, and with combat, I like to 
set it at a level most of the time, unless it's combat that is serving a different purpose, so that they can grow through it. Like, I would say that this last one was pretty hard. More for the NPCs, less for the player characters <laughs> themselves. NPCs got fucked immediately. NPCs got absolutely trucked. Um, God. But through the more difficult combat, I think that there are more opportunities for the team to come together as a team. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the pretty easy stuff is like, whoa, we're having fun. We're like, we're beating up goons. But the pretty hard stuff is like, holy shit, like, we barely walked out of that. But like, also, you did that really cool thing, and then I did yeah. that cool thing, and then we did the cool things together. Like, the pretty hard and solving the, like, the, the puzzle that is combat to me is incredibly satisfying to watch as a DM just to like watch how players navigate that. So that's just, that's where I like my scale. Yeah. I think it's good. I'm legit in real life worried about the NPCs after this fight because it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> One of the NPCs is a, is a character that my friend, my character is like trying to be friends with so hard. They already get along. They've got like a nice natural chemistry. They get each other. I'm like, yeah, they'll be best buds. She invites him to this little like patrol thing. They end up getting jumped, and this man gets fucked. And I'm re- re- realizing he didn't worried. get fucked that bad. He did really well on the role that he took, which was defense. He wasn't very aggressive because the two people he was with were fully aggressive. Yeah, uh, that whole fight. Um, but he took several hard hits. He never went down, um, so I wouldn't worry about it too too much. But yeah, a lot of our NPCs got fucked, like in every way. Like all of them, all of them almost went down. Three of them did go down. Two of them, three of them. One two of them went down first round. It was two of them. One of them went down. On the surprise round, <laughs> another one went down on, I think, two rounds after that, and then um, the other two got very close. Yeah. But anyways, how would you rate the frequency of combat in our games? Too few, light, just right, heavy, too many? I would say it's pretty even, but sometimes because combat takes so long, it, it feels, feels a lot more Yeah, like we're doing it more, because if we're spending too... Get, like, I... Th- I we're both of the same opinion with like the one-on-one-off kind of situation. I try to aim for two-on-one-off Yeah, usually just because I know that my combat encounters are going to go longer. I fully believe in combat with a purpose. I don't Mm. think frivolous bullshit is fun for fucking anybody. I mean, I've had requests to do goon fights and then I make the goon fights hard because it's like, okay, you want numbers? I'll give you numbers. We'll do numbers. We can play the numbers game and do a three and a half hour combat. You we'll do play numbers, numbers and then you also put a Kraken in the fight. So fuck you. I'm, listen, I stand by big guy at the end of the room with a bunch of small guys in between. That is my favorite fucking format. It is so fun. I have somebody I can actually play and take actions with while you all get to just beat the shit out of the I'll fucking. I'll say this. This is going to bite me in the evil ass. Evil gnome running I'm around with a pistol. I'm like, fully aware this is going to bite me in the ass. I love that that's your thing because I know exactly what you expect in most combat encounters where I've seen little guys. I'm like, cool, big one in the back of the room. Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode. If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at Crescent Magazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. Mm-hmm. Immediately, there's which a little is bit nice of nice to pick up on. Yeah, well, you I, know when to save your spell slots. Well, I make my my combats difficult enough that I think having a formula for you all to follow to an extent is only fair. I try yeah. to stick to that big guy and then little guys in the room or big guy in the room somewhere. I don't know if everybody strategizes like that. They don't. At our table though, they do not. I think. I'm but, really, I might be one of the few people. I try to, to stick to it, mostly because I like having at least one thing that I can play around with in combat, so yeah. that I get my fun. But anyways, frequency. It's yeah, 
I mean, I think it leans heavy sometimes because of how long our combat encounters are. I agree. So I try to aim for two role playing focus sessions and then one because I think that's more equal for us in terms of just feel because combat can sometimes turn into a bit of a slugfest. Um, and it's just like action, hit, next, action, hit, next, yeah. action, There's hit, always next. that lull where it's like, God, we're still fucking, okay, mm. fine. Um, and that's, fireball. Yeah, and I try, to, I try to make combat encounters interesting by either introducing new new characters to watch and, to, and, and to, to sort of have fun with. I fudge some of my roles to make things more dramatic because it brings people back in like, holy fuck, our main player just got shot in the chest. Hmm. <laughs> We gotta do something. We can't just like sit here and watch him fucking one v seven everybody. You know, like I yeah. try to switch things up a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a mix. It's a struggle sometimes. Please, ooh, this is interesting. Um, yikes. Okay, uh, please rate your level of agreement with the following statements relating to combat in our games. There oh, is, yeah. uh, it's basically strongly disagree, disagree, undecided, agree, strongly agree, so on yeah. and so forth. So just kind of pick somewhere. Let's go. Uh, we have too few combat encounters. Uh, strongly disagree. Wow. Wow. We have enough. Nah, you think we have too many. We I have, don't. We I have just... too many combat encounters. See, this is where we figure no, out where you I lie. I don't think we do. So are you undecided on this one, or are you agree-disagree? There's we no have, neutral. I, I'm trying to think. We have too many agree or disagree. Disagree with we have too many, but okay. like a stronger disagree on we, we have, have too, too few. few. Okay, I see, I see. I think we're at a good spot, but sometimes combat to me can feel long, because I'm not... I know all my fucking... combat abilities and their rules. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so... I'm gonna lie and say agree. Bullshit. Um, Disagree. Because it's every every fight, every there fight we're so in. There's fudges. a point about halfway through where I go, "Oh wait, fuck!" Um, and I realize done this, or I should have done that, or I could have added this. That's just yeah. and we talked about this in the last episode, five fifth edition, or several episodes. There's so much. There's so know. much to learn in fifth edition, and I take pride in being. At least by my players, I've been called a pretty good DM. And specifically in 5th edition, I take pride in that because there's a lot to fucking know, but like also zero shade to people that just cannot crack it because it takes a lot of time. All things considered, I think I know it very well. I think you've gotten a lot better. I think I just have ADHD. I think you've gotten better at reading what they do and remembering what they do. Because I kind of like skim things. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're, okay, we'll, we'll say somewhere between agree and disagree. Yeah. The pacing of combat is no, too... No, I agree that I know my rules. Disagree. Fuck you. The pacing of combat is too slow. Uh, <laughs> it fluctuates 100%. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's like, cool, I didn't have two seconds to like fucking get my bearings, and now it's my turn. Fuck. <laughs> and then there's also times where I'm like, I swear to God, it has been this motherfucker's turn for 20 goddamn <laughs> minutes, and if he doesn't make a choice, I'm going to reach across the table in real life and hit him. See, we are going I to think... enter real initiative... Right now. I think that's good, though. That's the energy that I aim for because it means that you're invested. You've achieved it, for sure. That's the that's when you know you're invested, when you're waiting for your turn, actively plotting your actions. It is one of my favorite things to watch players talk to each other between turns and go, okay, so I'm going to do this. What do you think? I'm going to do this. What do you think? Okay, I'm going to do this, and you can do that. That shit is so fucking fun to watch, like to have you all act as a little team or to be like, listen, I'm waiting for my turn. I've had this action planned for 30 minutes. See, my thing with that is and then the things the I plan fails, never works out. And then the, the enemy someone, passes the save. It's not even that. It's always <laughs> someone in our fucking party that does This is not at the person who did it last session. I need to clarify that. This is pent up. I don't even um, remember who it was. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Yeah, I you do. do. Yeah, I do. Uh, this is not at that it person. It was the same person for up. everybody, actually. 
every I feel like every time I like I've because a lot of my like things that I build my characters for are things that I take like a round to set up. And the second I go in to do the fucking second round, somebody does some bullshit. This, this is where talking as a team comes into play. It is both a real life our table issue as it is a in character in game issue that will hopefully be resolved in the next two to three sessions. Anyways, the next one. Combat often moves too fast for me to decide what I want to do. Disagree. Cool. That's a lie. I think it's somewhere in between. I think it just depends. Sometimes I have a heart attack. I wish there was more variety in the monsters we fight. Uh, disagree. I don't really care what we fight. No, that's valid. I try to make every goon unique, you know? Yeah, it's also like I'm hitting them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I is is combat's just not really like a hundred percent up your alley, thing. so it's difficult no, for me to. I like narrative combat. I like fighting specific people. I yeah. like fighting people that, and I, I talked about this in the answer to the. For, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not big on goon fights. I don't give a fuck what critters we're fighting. I don't know, man. Um, Y'all were all like as a table, pretty up in arms about having a goon fight because you were tired of like having to fight okay, big yeah. creatures. Y'all were like, okay, enough of the the big we wanted the large to feel creature. Successful. Can Robert. we just get a couple of goons to We knock? want it to feel successful. You successfully won that fucking combat encounter. You had it was like a whole like fucking boss fight. You had like a phase one and phase two, and you yeah. killed every goon. Yeah. It's just not that fucking fun. Like, respectfully. I agree. I... For me at least. For me. For me. For me. I like I I wish I had more opportunities to use my abilities. I'm not like a critter hitter. That's not my thing. Critter hitter. Next. I don't know if that's a term. I, just... I wish I had more opportunities to use my abilities. Strongly agree. Yeah, I know. I, these are kind of, I'm not going to bore everyone on the podcast with this, but these are... It, I've had several conversations with Robert in real life about, like, um, sometimes I build my characters in certain ways, but me as a player has to take a role where I don't get to do the things that I want to do because someone at the table has to fill this role. Um, she very much is like a like a, a floater, kind of like a fill all, because she's one of the more I would say like adept players at the table. She understands combat as much as she doesn't love it. Just love. I didn't say like love. Um, I think you are also much more willing to fill the role that needs to be filled as compared to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that is just you're you're very flexible in, in who your character can be, and you still role play them regardless of whatever thing they take. But I agree. I. It's difficult for me to give everybody an opportunity to use their abilities um, just because, I mean, there's just so many things to focus on. And, and again, everybody is still kind of in their, like, I'm the main character phase. Yeah. So some people are getting butted out more than others, which is why next session, fingers crossed, we're going to have a team strategy meeting uh, or like a team debrief meeting because please... Work as a unit. I feel like a lot of the time I just end up. Oh, well, here we go. I feel my abilities are being canceled out or subverted. (laughs) Strongly agree. Yeah. Okay. I've Um, been playing fucking support. And, like, don't get me wrong. She's great at support. But also, like, I can do um, almost, like, I did did 63 damage. You can fill any role you need to fill. Truly. Yeah. Okay. Um, who, in your opinion, has been the best villain or enemy so far? What did you These like? These are the ones where I wrote essays. What did you like and or hate about them? Um, so there's a character who, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, I highly recommend it. We talk about these characters. Um, 
or it was Keloy. Um, Hell yeah, it was. You, I, I talk a lot of shit slimy about slimy bastard. I like, it, yeah, it's that energy. <laughs> um, and like I'm slimy kind of, motherfucker. Like, glossing over what I like wanted to say when I was originally filling yeah. this out, and then uh, I was like, Robert, it's cool. I wrote like 750 words for each question, right? And he was like, absolutely, the fuck not. Well, absolutely <laughs> the fuck that. not if it's going to take you 24 hours to finish the question. It wasn't. I was trucking through them, but um. What's one thing that you liked about Keloy? I I'm I have a quick gloss. Make it quick, quick it loss. It will be a we quick got loss. A lot more questions. To I know. Get I promise it's a quick loss. Quick loss. Um, the character himself was very fun, but there were like specific aspects of him that I found compelling as a player, and this is kind of a bit more universal um, for like talking about a podcast mm-hmm. on, instead of just our individual things. Um, this was a character who was not. He was a villain who was not hands first, and I think that that was one of the most compelling things about him. Mm-hmm. Is he was a villain who would sit down with the party and buy them drinks and talk to them and ask them questions and be like, hey, well, instead of us, you know, doing the whole thing where we, like, chase each other down and I kill you Mm because that's what's going to happen, you can just go ahead and give me the thing that I'm looking for and (laughs) I will pay you so much money. I will pay you, actually, more than money. I will give you your own universe. (laughs) Literally, I will give you your own universe. I will give you your perfect world. If you just just turn the other way and let me kill this goddamn little elf bitch that has been a thorn in my side. Yeah, yeah. Pretty fucking much. And like man. it was it, one of the things I really loved about this character is we got to know him as a villain. We spent more time with him outside of combat than in combat, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's always traditional for a villain or a BBEG. Yeah. Like Prodigal, in, most of your experience with her is yeah, in combat. Our current like BBEG to us is one we've only see, only interacted really, with in combat. To interject, one thing that I really appreciate about what I've managed to achieve as a DM is that there are many BBEGs and that that is visible. Like you all are fully aware as players that Prodigal is like not the whole like no. it's not the whole thing. Like she's not even close to the BBG for the campaign. No. But she is a significant but She is the current problem. But she is the <laughs> biggest possible problem that you all as a team can tackle. Because it's yeah. like how to and this is a whole tangent, uh, before we talk about some some more of the answer, but like creating villains that aren't just fucking impossible obstacles. Um, that your players can't navigate until they hit a certain level or get a certain magical item or become powerful enough. Like, to talk about Keloy specifically, being 100% honest, there was never going to be a time where they as a team were ready to fight him at full power. Yeah. Like, that just was not going to happen. He went through a full combat with them before they got to the final combat with him, and it was difficult. Like, they almost lost several, several, several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there were villains where it's like, you all, I think, can reasonably see yourself as a team being able to buy pro- like being able to yeah. be prodigal one day. We could jump her ass if we. Caught I mean, you her all are guard. kind of already like starting to go in that direction with our current session, right? Like, it's not you all decided to take this turn where it's cool. We're tired of her coming to us. We're going to go to her mm-hmm. because of the nature of the character. She was prepared. She always is, but like, there's still like a sort of a level of unexpectedness to that. Um, and being able to have like tiered villains where it's not just one villain the whole fucking time. Yeah. Like, Keloy was a slow burner. Keloy wasn't mm-hmm. mentioned in the first half of the campaign. And that was one of the things that I really liked about it is was the mystery aspect. It was mm-hmm. the first, like, half of this the campaign intrigue. was us trying to figure out who the fuck, what is he, first of all? Mm-hmm. Um, who is he? What is his fucking problem with me? Actually, get off <laughs> my dick. Like, why are you obsessed with me? Right. Um, and, like, trying to figure out, okay, who this person is and what their deal is. And what I thought was so compelling about Keloy is that we got to find out who he was and what his 
fucking problem was yeah. outside of combat instead of in it. And we lot, also had got to find problems. out. Yeah. <laughs> we also got to find out some of that from him mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, we heard about it from another NPC or we read about yeah. it in a book or they all of this, research. that, and the other. It's because, no, I, I'm i kidnapped right now and we're fully just, and I'm just having a casual, co- we're sitting across from each other at a table. Don't let her fool you. There was nothing casual about the conversation. No, it was. Had. It was constantly, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. That was another note I had on here. You in particular. uh, This, I (laughs) literally wrote. Um, they were great foils because of uh, multiple reasons. Both one of them being they're both shitty and petty people who take cheap shots and would do it again. Yeah, I I stand by that. I think that was one of the more interesting aspects of his character. That was was another thing that was really compelling. I would make the argument that there was not a single person in the first campaign that was objectively a good person. No, like. I think Ragbad and and um, oh I my would God. I will well, disagree about me, him. Let me specify with why I say Ragbad. Ragbad was like an, an elf ranger. Listen to previous episodes of the podcast, World Serpent Ten. His background was very good natured. He mm-hmm. was like good neutral, um, in that like his primary role was to essentially hunt food for a village that took him in when he was like a younger elf that got sort of cut off from his his like tribe. Oh, cute. Um, but because of the fact that he grew up alone and mostly in the woods, he was very like antisocial and really only cared about like a handful of things, one being his village, two being being good at hunting, and then three, getting away from people. So there wasn't any goodness to be expressed there because he was stuck in a room full of people he didn't fucking like. Yeah. Um, you could say... Fucking Killian was to an extent. Like I think there was some good nature in there, but again, only towards nature itself. Yeah, he was fully willing to commit crimes and kill people if it meant helping his friends, and then also helping nature. Like he didn't really give a fuck. Yeah. He let several corpses get raised. Like, oh, like a lot of them. Yeah, there was there, there wasn't really a hard line for him. Um, but I think what is so interesting about Keloid was it was like. Keloid not trying to take down like a group of paladins, clerics, and and fighters. It was Keloid trying to take down this shifty ass, scumming group of people that will do any and everything to get away from him or to pull one over on him. Consequences be damned. Yeah, and it was that was so. Oh, world's gonna fall. Cool. Fuck you. You're not getting what you want. And one of the big things I I'm already a sucker for any like villains that you the the with a personal connection to Mm -hmm. like. And this was a character who I was not technically related to, but like in very involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, not a familiar relation. Yeah, it's too complicated to explain, like right off the cuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, but having that personal connection was great, and then also looking at it and being like, "There's several parallels there." Of like, my character was compared to this character to mm-hmm. the fucking villain, yeah, multiple times. Not only by the party members <laughs> who, upon like first meeting them, was like, "Are y'all like?" either like a thing or related or like there has to be some connection between you two because y'all mm-hmm. are like two peas in a fucking pod. And like she, he was referred to as her friend by party members for like yep. a while. Mm-hmm. And then also having NPCs in the world be like, oh yeah, y'all are like, but like you work together. And it's like, no, like this don't- not a coworker. Don't associate me. I actively make attempts on his life. Like, like every it's, day. It's not a joke. Um, And then also like having that and then like all of these different other foils of like personality foils. Mm. And then that like that cheap shotness and being able to be, it's that level of pettiness of like, this was also a bad guy. Like this was a very powerful character and I stabbed him more times than I can <laughs> count. And it was like a thing of like, it's also- it makes for a terrifying villain to be able to have like your players 
fucking throw hands and like knives and shit upon seeing this person and then just not even having them react yeah in any way and then the one time that he did react he fucking like nuked her yeah and like it was one of those moments of like it's also a fun thing as a villain to be like yeah i'm that fucking powerful that you like stabbing me like really you're gonna do this we can't Mm -hmm. just talk why can't we just talk and it's like Kilo was 100% that fucking sound. I'm the devil from the Bible. Yeah, it was just, I don't give a shit about your monologues. I don't care what plans you have. The magical items are cute or whatever, but like respectfully, I am older than all of your lifetimes combined. I will outlive your grandchildren's grandchildren. I don't know why we're having this conversation right now. Respectfully step on the pedestal so we can start this. It was it was also so fun playing with a petty villain of like two you just yeah. put the two pettiest motherfuckers in a room and it was, it was truly fully, a lot of was. like fuck you. It was the cheapest <laughs> shots that you can imagine. He Constantly. would be like, You fucking whore and I'm like, and bitch, yep. try it again. Okay. Like we, it was just next. very fun. Thank you, next. Uh who is or was your favorite NPC and why? Okay, uh, probably not a surprise. Right. Current one is Jury. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about this. I think that he's just one of the most fleshed out characters that I've like come across in yeah. like any D&D media, honestly, that's not a player character. He feels oh, more fleshed out you. than several player characters. I'm not saying at our table. No, um, it's, it's but, valid like, though. Yeah, there's more personality is... to him and backstory and like... Yeah. Moral and intuition and, and all those those fun things that come with the character than most. And it's all so there. And there was a, it, you can just tell even from the way that he, and this is me also kind of like, I guess, hyping you up as a DM. Hell yeah. Um, and like, are a kind of player almost. Um, you could tell, you can tell this character's or this NPC's inner life so clearly. Mm-hmm. Through like non like through interactions that aren't even there. You can tell by the way that he interacts with each person in the party that there's an inner life going on because he has such a different relationship with each of these people. Like, for example, um, he has a, like, the rivalry estrangement with Shadow, and then he also has his personal fucking beef with Volt now, and then is still, like, in the hero persona. Cockblocker, bro. In front of... Grown-ass cockblocker. <laughs> was crazy move. Get out of my fucking house. <laughs> um, and then the general, like, hero persona that he's putting on and causing a chip, and one of the moments that I, like, wrote down as an example that highlighted this the best is there's a moment where another NPC... Um, named Morph is telling the party um, about how he and Nightlight met and is like, oh, it's like a goofy story. She mm-hmm. was trying to buy a gun and then I like helped her because she started like fighting the people who were trying to buy, she was trying to buy a gun from and like blah, blah, blah. It was a cute little bit. And then the character Jury interrupts him in the middle of this and is like, okay, cool. That was fun. Um, and like normally you would think it would be like kind of difficult to interrupt yourself because you're having two separate conversations, yeah. but you could immediately read, okay, cool. I know exactly why this character is interrupting. This character is, uh, a little bit jealous and also upset that he's not the spotlight of attention right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, he came here with homegirl and you're talking about him or you're talking about her and you're talking about how like y'all mm-hmm. met. That's cute. Fuck yeah. you. Um, and just being able to tell like that inner life from an interaction that could and should have been pretty difficult to pull off as a DM, just in terms of like interrupting yourself. Is yeah, that was difficult. hard, man. Um, but it came across like really, really clearly. And then another one in the same way, and this is going into character relationships. And I think this is very character relationship driven. I think the characters that I'm drawn to in terms of like NPCs and villains the most are ones that have a personal and like a, a, a deeper connection and like very complicated or like deeper relationship with my particular player i just think Mm -hmm. that's like by nature um it in the same way that magnolia and like i don't think i would like have liked keloy as a villain so much if i was not playing magnolia i don't think that i would like 
jury as much if I was not playing Nightlight. Uh, Because once again, I think there's a lot of opportunities just with the way that these characters are, are written and the way that like I've, that Nightlight is and the thing that has been established with Jury is like they're very different characters. They're like very, <laughs> I cannot describe to you how different they are. Very different people. Um, Literally two opposite ends of the spectrum. She's a huge like hero fan. She wants to be a hero. She's up and coming. She's broke. Um, She's super optimistic and believes that there's good in everyone to a fault, which is another thing mm. that I'll talk about in a minute. And then Jury, it just what's quick rundown of Jury is he's like. Yeah, Jury is like a fresh out of like a couple years out of college um, like 23, 24, blonde hair, blue eyes, no facial hair, um, like a solid black and gold suit with like a little bit of his chest exposed. Mm. He's uh, always at the center of attention. He has a lot of money to throw behind like his campaigns and, and being like a spotlight, a hero's hero, but also doesn't really have any super powerful, unique abilities to boast of his own. So a lot of the, his... Um, a lot of what makes Jury Jury is his personality, both in public and in private. Yeah. Like he has a very loud presence, whether it is in a comic book, on social media, or behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, he is very loud. He's very arrogant. He's very boisterous. He's very confident. Mm-hmm. He's trained a lot harder than a lot of other heroes have because he has to make up uh, so much of his lack of natural ability and just fucking raw strength and just like tactical knowledge. And, and he's very much one of those things where, like, you meet him, you think he's an absolute douchebag, but then you get into combat, and you're like, thank fucking God Jerry's here. Yeah, because he's... Like, he holy shit, out, it's over. He like, rolled him down. He's, like, literally was hidden in the clouds, got an entire round of surprise because of how well hidden he was, came down, and fucking accidentally killed someone, or, like, accidentally downed someone, and you could tell, like, this was Robert being like, that was not... Fuck, yeah, I didn't mean to do that. That was supposed to happen, 100%. Um, like he's and a like, wildly he's a wildly frustratingly capable character and yeah. because he is that capable that's where like the shitty personality comes in. Oh yeah. He's a hero because it's fun to be a hero. Not because he enjoys being a great person but because it's just fucking fun. And it it creates such a fun dynamic for these two particular like characters I think because a there's just with the idea of like okay this person is kind of a douchebag. Like mm. there's no getting around that. They're involved in something shady. Um but this is also another, like, Nightlight is a character who believes there's good in everyone to a fault. Mm-hmm. Why would she not... Yeah, like, why not him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she believes that 100% to her core. Yep. And so that creates a lot of fun dynamics of, okay, this is a character who's definitely going to make shitty decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm so confident in saying that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I think that's fair to say. Um, See, I think one of the things that I did right with him in the beginning was having him be a... Like, his introduction was really shitty. He was basically, he was a little buzzed. Um, he was actively drinking beer on a rooftop next yeah. to, uh, what, how old is that? Like 21, 22? 21. Yeah, 21. He's like 24, 25. He's been a hero. She's starstruck. Like, holy shit, it's Jury. He's standing yeah. on the rooftop next to me asking me if I want to be a partner. Yeah, that's, you got any leads? Like, yeah. let's go be heroes. Cause I, I totally know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then it's like, cool. I'm now tag like, Jury's now tagging along to this, like, Spur of the moment, fucking whiteboarded, red line everywhere, like absolutely conspiracy board. Yeah, hundred percent just put together theory on where this character that's gone missing is, and now he's like basically hijacked the mission, but Nightlight is all too happy to have him there because it's like, cool, they're working together. Yeah. Um, but then instead of being a shitty person and flying away from this combat counter when he got flustered because he did very early in, he got intimidated because someone said his government name out loud. (laughs) Uh or at least his government last name. Um, instead of running away, he immediately goes fucking fists and is like, cool, fighting our way out of this. Yeah. Like, 
Um, and then saved saved a kid. Like yeah. the the child in the combat encounter was like the main source of um, like want to keep safe. Like everyone very quickly rallied as a a group of unknown party members because there was like a good thing to be done. And Jury was the one that did that. Like mm-hmm. Jury immediately went to the kid once he was aware that the kid was in the building, grabbed the kid, flew out. Yeah. Um, and then helped kind of support in different ways through like hit and run tactics. But like. I think that was one of the better decisions I made uh, for him as an NPC was to show that, like, yes, he's got a really shitty personality, but he is still a hero, and he's not going to back down from being one either. Yeah. Almost to, like, a really stubborn, um, like, extent. Like, the, the, the links that he will go to be a hero, not just, like, being seen as one, but just actively being one to himself, are probably farther than most people would go. Yeah. Uh, which is just what makes him more of a unique NPC and, like, unique person to interact with. I think it also makes for, like, this weird... Because uh, he quickly got a little bit exhausted with uh, Nightlight mm-hmm. towards the end of like interacting with her after he was like, okay, cool. She's not going to fuck off and like do drugs and party with me. So yep. why the fuck are we here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like he, ended- and he comes around and he was like, okay, here, let me give you some advice. And then was in like the most recent session, reached out to her. And like, I mean, yeah, it was also for ulterior motives a little. Yeah, 100%. But that was still like the first superhero in this world who has like viewed her as a hero and like reached, like reached out. Mm -hmm. And like actually was like, no, I mean like, yeah, I'm trying to sleep with you, but also there is a real case that like. Yeah, we could be working on and you know something about it clearly and I can help. Yeah. I can be present. Yeah. That's all I need to be, really. It's very much that, like, Daisy has, or Nightlight has such, like, I can fix him energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, he is a thing, he is a person to be fixed. Homeboy is a fixer-upper. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's for sure. And I think it's also a fun thing of, like, not knowing what is going to come next because these characters are so different and it could go so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's something, and, like, I'm not even talking in, like, a romantic sense or anything, but, like, literally... I don't ever know what the next interaction with these two characters is going to look mm-hmm. like in a positive way of like, I think there's just so many routes that it could take because they feel like two very, very fleshed out people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like they're very much real people. I think yeah. Jury is probably the one. I've reached a point in this particular campaign where um, all of my NPCs feel like very distinct personalities that I just so happen to put the face on, like mm-hmm. kind of in that in that more actory realm. Like sometimes it feels like method acting with the characters because it's, yeah. it goes beyond just... You re- get in there. It goes beyond <laughs> just remembering the personalities and like the, the plot hooks of characters. Like it is fully trying to embody those people when I'm talking as them. Otherwise, I'm just it's going to come off awkward. And it's going to flop. I think that's something you do very well because a lot of the times, and one of the things I respect about you as a DM but also can like find frustrating as a player is when you are when you are an NPC I will say this my man acts like he's in there it is ridiculous <laughs> to a point where sometimes I'm like Robert this is not feasible for our table because he'll be like cool this is what the NPC's goal is and I am not going to stop until they get that goal I've because been in a combat encounter with another fucking villain stop, who tries to kidnap me in the middle of a fight and I'm like what is your game yeah, plan here that was so fucking fun that was crazy shut up I'm in the middle of here. an end all be all combat encounter and they're like okay loose alliance we can't kill this thing and he was like oh no I kill it I, fuck, I hate this bitch I hate this bitch way more than I hate you guys. And then mid-combat encounter is like, actually, hold person. <laughs> it's just, just fully like, actually, we're going to take a very different route now. I'm going to kidnap someone. And I was like, at the moment, I was like... All of my NPCs like, have a very distinct goal in, in mind uh, when I try to play them because that's what helps me get in their, their state of mind. And right? I think it's really cool. But also as a player, I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is your game plan here right now? If you kidnap me in the middle of this fight... 
there's a dragon. We have to kill the dragon. If you don't dragon kill the don't dragon, don't mean shit to me. We're fucked till it eats me. And like another example of that was with fucking jury in the last, um, or not the last session, the one before that, um, when this certain character we talked about, like middle school chaperone, is this fucking grown ass man is following my character as she's going to uh, meet up with this hot hero guy who is like, hey, you want to work on a case together? Fuck yeah, I do. Um, she's in like she's excited for this, and he's like, "Cool, leave." Yeah, chaperone. Leave. I'm, I'm gonna need you to dip. Like you and, weren't, like, you weren't invited for this multiple times, and then is like, "Cool, no, I'm not. I'm gonna say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll meet you there. We'll meet you there. I'm going to not give you the address, and I'm going to fucking super speed fly away." And literally was doing like legitimately as if Robert was like a player character trying to get Vault to fucking leave. Oh, 100. Like, like as a PC, fully. I was like, "How do I?" What do I fucking do? He pulled do? a gun. Yeah. Well, he decides, hey, I'm going to follow them and basically to to stay with them. I'm not going to lose them. I refuse to do that. Eyes on. He follows. Jury flies faster than he can than he can basically watch. Uh, he gets a really high investigation check, manages to track down where Jury lives, which is basically like the top of a penthouse apartment, and then proceeds to basically wait outside. Yeah. Like just was... waits outside. And then eventually teleports in the house and Jerry go. Jerry walks out and goes, "Hey, didn't I tell you to fuck off?" Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, but I don't really care." And then Jerry goes, "Yeah, I think I distinctly remember telling you don't step on my fucking property." Yeah. Or it's gonna become like a physical altercation where you get arrested. Like that is that I'm not. This isn't. I'm gonna throw you out on your ass. This is. I'm gonna throw you out on your ass. Then I'm gonna charge you with trespassing and I'm gonna lock you up in jail. Yeah, it was one of those moments where I'm like, is there about to be like, like it looked like there were going to be real hands thrown. So and then, I didn't know if the NPC was going to be the one that swung first. <laughs> that was the level of like. So then the character doesn't back down and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't really care about you. So you know what Jerry does? Jerry goes, you know what? That's fine. We'll see how much you care about the next thing I do. Goes to his gun safe, pulls out a gun and then walks into the basically the family room and points it at him and goes, cool, this is the game you want to play? I can throw hands. I have super speed. We'll make this real easy. You get shot, you go down like the rest of them. It Respectfully, was, get out of my house. It was a lot. And um, it was at that point that it clicked with the character. Oh, I don't want it to get this serious. And then he left, which is a very mature decision. Which um, was crazy that it took that long. But like but, that that for me was a very defining moment for Jerry's personality because it's like, yeah, I want to do everything like to the best of my own ability. But also, I'm not above taking the easy way out of the situation, especially yeah. if this is like a quick and immediate goal that I got to get done. Yeah. I'd love to do it the hero way. I don't have time for a grown-ass man in pajamas standing in my family room. Leave. Gun. Yeah, it was... And it's one of the things I, like, really respect about the NPCs that you do is they feel so, like, fully formed out. And that's also because I, I think that one of the ways that we play is we don't have a lot of, like, random NPCs. Mm. Um, it is a lot of, like, most of the people that we meet, we're going to meet or talk yeah, to Yeah, they're going to continue to meet or continue um, to talk to. And it's really cool to see how fleshed out these people are. Mm. Okay, uh, Jesus Christ, is like a 25-minute answer, but thank Sorry. you. No, I really appreciate it. Uh, name something you'd like to see more of in our D&D sessions going forward. Um, I like it. I love playing with all of the NPCs, but I think that's also just because of like the way that they're written mm. um, is really fun, so I always love those interactions. Um, I also have been really enjoying like I the, seeing the party interact with each other mm. and also with some of these NPCs. Which is I like think finally starting been... to pick up. Almost been... <laughs> fucking six months into the campaign. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, and it's starting to happen now of, like, characters asking about other characters. Mm. Like, I was asked for the first time ever at this goddamn table. Um, for this particular campaign, and, by the way. No. 
ever. Oh. For what I'm about to say. Yikes. Um, from another player at the table being like, hey, so what's your deal? Crazy that it's- The amount of, the lack of information, of personal information that is traded between players at this table- It's crazy. It's baffling. And what's the most baffling to me is it wasn't like a big plot hook that that caused this to happen. No, the reason they asked is because she showed up with a man. She showed up with jury, and then and two like, different cool. PCs. Who do you hang out with? Pulled me aside and were like, <laughs> "What's up, man? Yeah, what are Who's we doing? He? What are we doing? Who's the guy? Why are we bringing random random people here? Why are they here? Yeah, and it's like, oh, now we have questions. Yeah, now we have questions." It's yeah. I've ne- truly I've never seen a group of players get so far as a party and then not be able to answer simple questions like "Why are you a party?" Yeah, I, that was a question that like that is the extent we were... that uh, like lack of information being traded will go at this table. There was a moment where, going back to jury, jury asked my character and was like, "Why do you hang out with these people?" And me as a player, I went, "Well, fucking fumbled, hundred percent. I have no idea. I actually don't." No. Yeah. I, I mean, I know logically it's because we all are sitting at this table, but like, <laughs> there was not really an in-character reason um, at all. Yeah, other than just like, this is a group of people I found myself being shacked up with by essentially association with a crime. Like, Yeah, it was like, I didn't really have a choice, man. We gotta was... be together because we gotta be together. Yeah, I mean, the law. I guess the eyes of the law. Until we resolve our, our largest problem, which is harboring a fugitive. Yeah, I also think uh, I love dialogue in combat. We finally started having dialogue in combat. And yeah. Being able to have moments where you're like, Jerry came through with cool. communicators and people started using them. Fucking finally. <laughs> um, but of even being like, cool, you watch your teammate do something sick as shit over there. There was a moment where two of our characters did like a little combo move and another character, you want to say, uh, the, Sebastian... say the name of the No, the, I'm good. I'm so okay not saying that. You want to <laughs> say it? I'll, I'll spell the second word. So there's an ability in the book I, We should just skip this, actually. N-E-J- I don't N-E-G-A Bolt. It's like mega, but with an N. That's the it name. It, 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 it's shorthand for negative bolt because it is basically a shit ton of necrotic damage. A couple of our heroes come up with a, a combo move because they reached a certain, basically a, a certain level of familiarity with each other that I wanted to incentivize continuing to build those relationships because it was like Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster finally figured out how to make things work. And so, of course... Uh, they were trying to figure out what to name their super move, which is basically one of them sticks out like a little conduit on the outside of their body. Our electric superhero, our lightning superhero charges it, and then our, our robot buddy can choose what to do with that energy. So they decided to call it Mega, then the name of the of the power, which is Mega with an N, Bolt. So Mega, Mega Volt, but with an N. And... Um, if you can't piece together what that sounds like when you say the second word really quick, that's why they chose it. Actually, that's why preface. one person I, you in need to the, preface I'm getting some there. Very I'm getting there. The, one of one of the one of our players is white in this equation, and the other player is black. It was our black player that decided it would be really funny to try and get the white player to slip up at the table <laughs> and call it that. And to this day, our white player has not said the name of the super move once. Anyway. Cool. We're yeah. getting canceled. <laughs> we are getting canceled. Our players might get canceled. We're fine. Okay. What was what's something oh. that you would like to anyway, see no, less in our was, de- Let me finish. We gotta my go. We gotta go. It we don't have best. time. We gotta go. Never mind. I guess I won't give my really cool example. Oh my god. What the, what is your really cool example? There was a moment where <laughs> This is not fast. 
okay, Kaze turns to my character and was like, oh my god, did you see that? They've got a fucking railgun now. Or basically, like, things like that of, like, reacting to what other yeah, people are doing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really, really cool, and I would love to do that more. Fantastic. Name something you'd like to see less in our D&D sessions going forward. I can't forward. give an answer that's nice for Name. the podcast. Name. I cannot Name. on the podcast. Come on. I think I would like to see people listen more. Okay. Um, no, I'll take I that. Think... I think that became very apparent to the table after our Flashpoint episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would really like to be taken seriously. I would like players at our table and characters at our table to just take me a little bit more seriously. Right. Um, As like to, a to clarify, person. To clarify, because it sounds, I mean, it's shitty, but I think context is needed for that one in particular. I don't mind the answer. I think being real in, in that sense is really important. Because her character is the young, the Not second the second youngest in the group, and because That's the crazy part, and because she's been down in a few combat encounters, and she's very like new to the game, and is like ah ah ah, what do I do? What do I do? Oh shit, things are happening. Our our heroes that have a little bit more experience, there are two of them specifically, have very much taken on this role of like coddling and chaperoning and not really mentoring but being like oh pretty baby that's so cute of you to think that you can do things we're gonna yeah. just keep you safe from the outside world and i think that's less of the the players themselves and much more of the players getting really into what they think their characters would feel which is basically this sense of responsibility um, and I, I like that we've hit a very real emotion in the campaign. I don't necessarily like how it's made you feel as a player, um, but I think it is something interesting to explore because the whole reason why I wanted to do this campaign or one of the reasons was to explore the very complicated dynamic between heroes and a group mm-hmm. um, because it is not it is not easy to put a group together when you have five different reputations to take uh, to take in mind, when you have five different secret identities when you have five backgrounds, five groups of family members and loved ones that you care about, five different sets of powers, that's fucking hard. Yeah. And it is not as simple as getting in a spaceship and then getting blasted with radiation and coming back, being able to turn your fucking fingers into silly string. That's not how it happens. Um, real people are real people, and there's 100% always going to be a risk when you have an older, experienced adventurer or hero and a younger, inexperienced hero or adventurer um, where one where the older person's basically going to be like, cool, I'm, I'm either going to do it for you I'm going to tell you how to do it and then do it myself, or I'm going to make sure that you don't die. Yeah. And it can get very coddling very quick, and I think that's a very real thing to try and deal with as characters, but it is frustrating as a player to deal with because it's like, come on, when are you going to give it up? When are we yeah. going to get out of this headspace? Because I think part it, of it was also like, I think there was also an idea of, like, my character has gone down multiple times. Mm-hmm. She has. I would also like to say, my girl has gotten back up every fucking time. She's an incredibly resilient hero. It's one of the things that she does best is being a support and being resilient and getting up and having a backup plan. Like, she's an incredibly intelligent strategist because she spends her free time reading comic books. Mm -hmm. Like, learning and studying the examples of what this kind of shit looks like. I mean, it's obviously different. Like, I can't watch all fucking a bajillion seasons of Grey's Anatomy and then perform open heart surgery. But she can. (laughs) <laughs> but somebody who can literally manifest the powers and abilities of the people that she reads about uh, can definitely get a lot closer to that. Yeah. So there, there has to come a point is is characters and as players to give up on this particular character feature or point where it's like, okay, she can hold her own. Mm-hmm. She can do her own thing. She is not a, a character or a hero to be coddled. She is somebody that just needs to learn and to study and to grow, but like in their own way without just being like, patted on the head and pushed into the corner oh pretty baby we'll take care of you because yeah. that's 
it stunts growth in real life and in and in games. Like it's yeah. just there's no there's no two ways around it. So I 100 percent agree. Um, I think there is a level of metagaming that happens at the table that is weird because people are very quick to go, damn, I don't like that NPC. You haven't met them. But then yeah. also be like, damn, I'm going to take care of that character. You, along with everybody else at this table, have watched this character, player, PC, whatever the fuck, all of the above, get through every single combat encounter and survive. Not only that, but take down one of the most strongest martial characters. Take down several people? Like, I mean, an incredibly proficient hero, and that's what's so exciting about... That's what's so exciting about Nightlight, is that she has so much potential to be an incredibly powerful hero. She's just stuck in a group of people that very much see it one way and no other way. Yeah. You know? And I think that's one of the things that makes Jury kind of fun, is, like, he doesn't really give a shit. Yeah. Like, I don't really care what level you are. I think you're attractive. You're competent as a person. There's something to happen here. Yeah. Uh, That's what we're going with. I think a a good flip of this was uh, literally talking about, I was, when I invited this character to a, um, basically our, like, little ambush we were doing, and I, like, mentioned the fact that I was like, well, I'm playing bait, so, like, if you want to come for that reason. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, yeah, sure. And so, like, made, like, a joke several times of being, like, very big about, like, no, she's, and she's not going to get hurt the whole time. Okay, guys? You got that? You took notes? Cool. Good. (laughs) And, like, being, like, very big about that. But, like, that read very differently as opposed to, like, being, um... He also ditched her the second he got to combat like yeah like i didn't expect (laughs) very quickly became about taking out as many bad guys as humanly possible she (laughs) believes she believes he's a great person but like also it was the same in the first combat encounter it was as soon as like fists start flying my man is gone yep she doing was not I, expecting doing what he does best. Like he was not a support first. character. <laughs> he watched her get fucking domed. Yeah. Like but that still felt different of like making a big thing of like, no, you're not gonna be hurt, blah, blah, blah. Because it was like a bit. It was yeah, like it was that very was very much a, like I'm gonna I'm gonna showboat here and be yeah. like, I'm not gonna let her get hurt. That was like that was a different type of character choice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure that if he's like able to like swoop in and be like, I'm your hero, he's yeah. gonna, but like for a different reason. It's not because he doesn't think she's capable. It's because he's trying to sleep with her, mm-hmm. which is different. Um, we've kind of already done this, so I'm not going to have you answer, but it's name one memorable, favorite, or otherwise epic moment from our sessions. I think I've we've talked hit about several. so many of those in this episode alone. Um, okay, last section. What is one NPC relationship your character wants to explore? I'm going to say somebody other than Jury. Um, Parker. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm very, very excited about Parker. Um it is a character that um, was Listen made by one episodes. of my yeah uh, made by one of my very good friends. This original character um, back from when, if you listened to the last episode when I talked about New Metro, um, this was a character that was made for New Metro uh, from a very good friend of mine. And we like I talked to him and was like I like like he's like a little cameo in the campaign, and then he's like yeah. spiraled into a full character now. Mm. Um, but the concept for him is basically like this is Nightlight's alter ego is Daisy. And Daisy's best friend, like, and I mean, like, more than best friend, like, attached to the hip. Like, it's a, their relationship is, like, from anyone of everyone's, like. Is it like, love? Is it friendship? Are they siblings? Are they fucking? Yeah. And everyone at the table is still, like, also, like, when she interacted with Jury, people were like, damn, Parker lost. And yeah, I was like, Parker, what do you Parker think Parker lost that is? fight so quick. Um, and it's like, that's not, it, he's still fighting. Yeah, yes, um, but no. <laughs> it's like, listen, I'm not like. Parker's not a fucking superhero. Parker doesn't have fucking free PR and putting people in comic yeah, books. It's like, no, I'm getting coffee with him later. Calm down. Um, <laughs> but his shtick is basically he does not ethically agree with the concept of superheroes. And yeah. that 
creates a Vigilantes, pretty big rift. Using when, powers to basically like put themselves above the law. Like the very yeah. like Harvey Dent and Dark Knight Returns, that kind of deal. When his best friend, or who he doesn't know, is a superhero and wants more than anything else. Currently, right now, her biggest goal, even above becoming a big hero, is like getting his approval mm. and getting him to be like, yeah, no, I like her. She's cool. She actually changed my mind about heroes without being like, I'm a fucking superhero. Yeah. Please, please, please just without like just hear me out. And being just like, hear me out. For the sake of our relationship, please. And it's like a, it's gonna, I have a, like, I expect it to be a big problem. And I'm open yep. to that being a big problem. And it's kind of fucked up to say that I'm very excited to like see yeah, to what happens that. there. But mm-hmm. like, I think it's a very compelling thing. And it, several of my favorite interactions I've had with him have been when she's gone to hang out with him and they've talked about the ethics of heroing. And he's like, actually, no. This thing that just happened that you thought was good is actually really shitty for the community. Yeah. And then for her to be like, holy fuck, okay, time to replan, time to refocus, time to rethink. Yeah. How am I going to fix this as a superhero? Okay, I can I can fix this. I can fix this. And like trying to balance the like personal life and like on top of that. And I think there's also just a lot to their relationship and it's very complicated and there's yep. a lot of feelings there that maybe like need to be explored and addressed mm-hmm. in a way. Um, right yeah, laid to rest. Because it's Something. like, it's very confusing because I didn't realize that my character felt so strongly about his uh-huh. until uh, we had our like fucked up one shot and I was like crying while talking to this character and I was like, oh my God, is she in love with him? And, like single I love you exchange and then no other words. Yeah, it was, it was, and people were upset at that interaction for sure. Yeah, uh, it was so short. But I mean, you know, nothing else that really could happen in the moment. I yeah. think to talk a little bit about Parker, sort of, it, it's weird to say that like I've made him my own thing because I want to respect like the original creator and the original source to it. But like also, Parker is a character that I very quickly resonated with. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of the episodes of the podcast or, or don't have a better idea for who I am as a person, I'm very pessimistic by nature. I'm very skeptical of people doing good for altruistic reasons like there are several lines of of philosophy that that argue that you cannot truly be altruistic which the the shorthand for that is basically you can't do anything good for any reason outside of yourself like at the end of the day you're at least doing it because it feels good to be good and that in and of itself is a selfish reason like it's it gets really bogged down very quickly. Some people have arguments against it's it. It's so fun living with him. I'm not a, an active proponent of that. I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. I'm not a philosopher. I just studied it a little bit. But anyways, Parker's a character that I very quickly put myself in the shoes of and went, okay, he's probably like a little college educated enough to know at, at least a little bit about the topics that he's talking about. Because like very similar to myself, I want to be educated about the shit that I talk about. Otherwise, I found I sound fucking stupid. Um, and looking at, um, looking at sort of superheroes in relationship to the world that they live in in Sapphire City and sort of the, the greater like Earth or Terra as it's called in the, um, the source book is very similar to like how I would look at corporations donating or, you know, fucking Taylor Swift planting trees somewhere in regards to everything else that they do, right? Like it's, that's so great that I don't know, X company, I'm not going to name anything because, you know, sponsorships, X company just donated $2 billion to replant trees. They're also, like, the number one exporter of cardboard in the world. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't fucking matter. Um, And Parker has a very similar stance on superheroes, which is that's cool and all that they, like, help people, but then what happens when one of them, like, fucks up or doesn't save that person or 
they get a blanket check or a blanket statement or a card to basically do whatever the fuck they want. I think it's also like an argument that people make a lot of time, and I still think there's a lot of credit to this argument of like, cool, Batman is in a costume and he's beating up poor people and uh, people. What's who the are like? Who's crime. regulating superheroes? It's the whole like, like Avengers Civil yeah, War thing. Yeah, it's that thing, and it's also like, okay, cool, you're superheroes. What are you doing to help the city and help the infrastructure? Mm-hmm. What are well, you and doing? It's like the power begets power thing too, right? Like, there's a lot of really cool arguments in, in comics and different like superhero media where the argument is made by a character or by a group of people which is that essentially if superheroes didn't exist neither would supervillains yeah like there is a a certain challenge that is issued like a, a gong that is rung a bell that is struck when a powerful person comes in and says i'm going to be here and protect these people and do these things and it's an open invitation for people to step to that yeah i mean it's the same thing with like people challenging i mean the law in real life some people steal and break the law because it's a fucking like it's a boundary that they can push right like if you don't leak like if you don't make breaking and entering to someone's home illegal it's not a crime (laughs) and then people are still going to do it don't get me wrong but people are going to do it a whole lot less in that way because they don't have like there's no barrier for them to cross And Parker has a very similar view on heroes, which is that you all, by your very nature, are inciting more people that are as powerful as you or potentially more powerful powerful as you to then do the opposite. Yeah. Like, it is infinitely worse for a superpowered, um, a deviation-having person to commit a crime than it is for a regular person to commit a crime. I love using deviation-having person. You yeah, got politically correct deviant. in a world that you made up. A deviant, a deviant, sorry. Like, a, a deviant committing a crime versus a non-deviant committing a crime is very different, right? Because, like, a deviant committing a crime could be cornered by the police and then blow up the corner store. Yeah, it's... Whereas a guy with a gun and a ski mask, yeah, that sucks. You can shoot him, he'll go down. But at least it's a guy with a fucking ski mask and a gun. He's not going to blow up the corner store. But because you decided to go up and put fucking spandex on, that guy now has to escalate to that level or he's not getting out of this. Yeah. If I don't blow up the building, you don't have somebody to save while I run the fuck away. Like, it's just, it's that whole thing. And that's just, I very quickly fell into a very easy sort of state of mind with Parker where it's this constant, like, yes, they do good, but like, no, it's it's not healthy for the environment. Yeah. Blah, 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 whatever. Um... Kind of already know that. Going to the next one. Okay, this is just an f- interesting way to end this fucking quiz. Uh, magical items on this whole what? list about what's something you want your character to do this campaign, uh, goals for them, exploring their backstory. I think we have a pretty good idea of all that. Yeah. The last question on here is D&D campaigns often have magical items. Please rate the following magical item traits on a scale of one to five in terms of importance to help choose or create magic items for your character. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so the options are, I do not want this. Not important. <laughs> not important. Indifferent. I do not important. want this is so fucking funny. Absolutely necessary. Imagine getting an item and you go, I do not want this. Yeah. Uh, a higher primary ability score. So a magical item that increases one of your primary ability scores. Intelligence, wisdom, strength. Um, dexterity. Indifferent. Indifferent. Okay. Like I mean, A higher cool. secondary ability score. I see this is like a skill, like a saving throw, like um like a like a tech check, stuff like that. Also indifferent. Okay. Actually, no, I would switch that. I would say not important for the secondary score, and I would rather have uh indifferent being the primary. Yeah. Okay. Higher AC. Harder to hit. Current? With my current character? Just in general. Agree. I guess. Agree. Yeah. I have an AC of twelve. Yeah, it's kinda crazy. Uh a higher chance to hit. So like an, um, an increased number for whenever someone does a damage roll. Yeah. Or an attack I'm, roll, sorry. Listen, I've beefed 
my. I think you're doing fine. So I think I'm. You know, fine. That's not really not. Cool. To me. Uh, more damage. <laughs> I think you're fine. No, I'm a damage girl. Uh, I and that's you're the thing. Fine. I'm We're currently gonna say playing I do as a not, I The answer is I do damage. not want this. It doesn't matter what she says. The answer is I do Dealing not want damage. this. I'm a damage dealing girly. Ability I, to cast a spell. You also already do this. I do that Next. more than anyone else. Resistance to a damage type. Uh, I still think that I should get resistance to radiant damage because I fucking glow. Yeah, whatever. If homeboy has uh, necrotic damage boosts. If shadow, if shadow gets boosts, light doesn't get boosts. Light doesn't get boosts. Um, an ability I can use as a bonus action. Uh, it's kind of fun. Sure, but I think I can do everything that I do as a bonus action already. Okay, we'll say indifferent. Uh, an ability I can use as in a reaction. Sure. I think you already have those too. I do. You can't tell this character does a little bit of everything. I built her so well. She can also throw hands. She does a D10 uh, in Jesus melee comp, like with, with hands. Uh, she's crazy. Something with a lot of flavor. Uh, yeah. Absolutely necessary. Yeah, give me, give me. Uh, yep, absolute necessity. That's all I give a shit about. <laughs> a few options I can choose from by expending the item's charges. Okay. That seems more in line with like my general style. Mm-hmm. Most of the magical items that I've had in the past have been very like, it, here's a list of rules that's very long and the shit that it does is wildly complicated and complex, but. Correct, that, that's just, I'm a mechanics guy. I get bogged yeah. down in that shit. I'm like, you can do this incredibly broken thing if you meet this specific circumstance. Yeah, but I. But then what that leads to is then people going fully out of their way in combat encounters and in regular encounters, trying to be able to use that magical item yeah. Because people just can't help it. I just kept they trying just to... They just can't help it. I was rolling uh, two dice for every wild magic search. Someone hands ma- you a fucking item, genie lamp, you're going to rub this shit out of it. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, and that is it. And the last section is final thoughts. So, um, yep, that was our D&D campaign refresher by Guy's Name. I said in the beginning, uh, we'll link it in the description. I think... And we also talked a bit about character relationships. Yeah, like a tabit. Um, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, not really. Valentine's Day. I think that um, this is something that I would recommend highly for new DMs, l- less so experienced slash those that are in the middle of a campaign. Um, We're taking it is in the middle of a campaign. fucking extensive. I mean, you went through the questions with us. Uh, there are so many things to ask. A lot of those are open-ended. I think it really, I'm hoping, depending on how in-depth the feedback I get from people is, which I have a strong feeling I'm going to have some that is three words, and I'm going to have some that are five paragraphs. Me. Right? We have two different ends. So part of it, too, is encouraging your players, if you give this to them, or even fill it out as yourself as a DM, like, be thorough, not five paragraphs thorough. I don't need that. I don't have time for that. Uh, But, like, a paragraph, three or four sentences, just being honest and truthful, I think, is, is really important. Um... And to tie it back to character relationships in particular, the more that I as a DM and the sort of the NPCs in the world understand about you as a character, the easier it is for me to craft relationships that feel right or feel fun or that give you the same enjoyment that Keloy did for Magnolia or that Jerry does for Nightlight. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to introduce characters like that for everybody. It's easier to do it with Madison's characters, mostly because she's very um, clear on her personality, like... In the same way that you went sort of at length about how clear Jury is as a character, I think all of your characters are very like very much that way, and so Thank it's you. easier for me to give it's you what a I do for a living. oil or 
an alternative or somebody that clicks very well. But if I don't know anything about your character or your preferences yeah. as a person, I can't give you that customized experience. Yeah. Um, everybody in this campaign, as of now, with the exception of one person, really has at least one person that they like to go to or that we establish that they go to and they talk to outside of work. Um, and I haven't had a lot of time to deal with any of them, Parker included, but they were all created, at least in some way, to be either a reflection of the character themselves, what I knew about them, a foil, some kind of like a, a grounding base for them to, to go back to. Like a lot of, for a lot of them, it's best friends. Mm-hmm. For Sebastian, it's a best friend who is very much not a hero. He's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He is 100%, not like a villain villain. He is like he's a, a leader of a gang. He's like a villain in the way where it's like, cool, nobody else is taking care of my community. This shit sucks. Uh, I'm going to do it myself. But do it on speed. But do it on speed and with guns because <laughs> I'm not getting punked out in these streets. Um, that's Sebastian's best friend. Who's, he's an up and coming hero, best friends with a gang leader. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then there is. Um, I just have to say, one of my favorite quotes from a previous session was a uh, one of the characters going in link, Sebastian going in length to his father, the superhero, about how good gangs are. Yeah, don't and hurt it, the gangs, Dad. And he and goes, he goes <laughs> "They're gangs, Sebastian. They're which, gangs." Which is just like I I don't know what he thought was going to come out of that, but yeah. No, it was great though. It was. I mean, I, I think that was a, a really great character point. Is like a naive eighteen-year-old boy yeah. being like, "No, like, don't hurt my friends. Like, they're good people." And it's like, cool. I'm the numbers. I'm, I'm like the second, like top-rated, the second top-rated hero in, in the entire city. Uh, I don't like. I can't just go cool. My son likes you, and you sell drugs, and also shoot at people. Uh, you get a free pass. Yeah. Especially when like that particular hero's like reputation is being very. Uh, a very like sort of difficult and aggressive and abrasive and very boisterous and loud and kind of not cruel but very much cruel on enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a fucking shot in the dark. Doesn't matter who it's coming from that anybody is going to be able to persuade him to like give a gang a free pass. It's not going to happen. But that's just another. That's a wonderful moment in role playing where I think Dakota as a you've already said his name so yeah that's fine fine. Dakota is a person and Sebastian as a character both wholeheartedly in that moment wanted to stick their necks out for Ricky regardless of consequence knowing who they were talking to and still did it anyways um, just to get like that slap back in the face to be like no I don't care if you're my son which he's a shitty person Uh, he's not a great father they don't live with him for a reason that's cool that they saved you and all. I'm glad that you're still breathing in front of me, but they're gangs and I'm a hero. Like there's yeah. a very clear relationship to set here. Yeah. Also, don't call me dad in front of my hero buddies because that shit's just lame. Um, just fucking fun stuff at the table, man. Like, yeah. Again, talking well, about I strong, he, clear I think personalities. He makes a very clear and very good foil for Sebastian of like this. Is, yeah, Inferno is very much. Um, I didn't even think about it that way, really. I mean, that's the one. I read Sebastian that has a lot of NPCs in particular that he has a lot of very strong bonds with between his aunt and his uh, his sister and his father, sort of being like at the at the top of that like foil list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never designed Inferno to be a foil for Sebastian's character, but I mean, that's just kind of what naturally I luck out sometimes with the way that I portray my characters in that they I try to mold them around the person that I'm interacting with, and then that kind of naturally falls into place the way it yeah. should. And coming up with Inferno in particular, just, it felt right to be a dick. It felt right to be... <laughs> 
if you but have you noticed it's theme such, with a lot of such the NPCs. A different, in such a different way, though, because Jury is a dick in that he's loud and he's annoying to be around and he's very leadership focused and he's cocky and he's arrogant, but he's still funny to an extent. Yeah. And he's always joking and he's always trying to make fun of things. Inferno is a dick in the way that it's like, I don't care what relationship you hold with me in my life, family or not, you do not get a free pass. Yeah. I don't care if you're my wife. I don't care if you're my son, my daughter, my grandchild, my mom, my dad, my brother. It doesn't matter. Business is business. Business is business. I'm a hero to be a hero at the end of the day. I don't give a shit who you are. You cross that line, you've crossed it. He's very Batman in the sense that like there's a very, very black and white line there and sort of that dickish behavior just comes from a a very annoying moral code to constantly have to navigate with him because it's like, I don't even know if I want to call him because if I call him, yeah, what happens to my friends if he finds out who they are and then what happens to these other people if he gets involved because it's like, mm. I'm friends with gang members and I'm also friends with vigilantes and they're wanting criminals. Like, it's just... <laughs> But who the fuck else am I gotta talk to? Yeah. Like I gotta and save I think my family. One of the interesting things, and something that I think that you do well, is I think that when you create characters, I don't think you make them with the intention of them being foils. I think it just happens. I don't think you made Keloy to be a foil of Magnolia. Not at all. Um, like in the slightest. I think that was something that like was cool. These are two just big dicks in a locker room. Mm-hmm. Um they're One both... is significantly larger than the well, other. Well, yeah, I, I was talking about personality. I'm not even talking <laughs> about power level. Yeah, I recognize no, that's valid. that she's not a god. I think he had a smaller personality than Magnolia did at times, just because he didn't yeah. need a large one. Yeah, he had like thousands of them. Yeah, he could he could do whatever he wanted. Like, I, don't need to, I don't need to be the loudest person in the room. I have more gold than all of you. Right. I have access to things you don't have access to. I can't be killed by any of you fuckers. Well, that's like... how she thought of herself. Like yeah, exactly, it's a very think, similar mentality. That's there. what I'm saying. Mentality and of like they have the very similar energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think that like there's two other characters in our party that I think are going to unintentionally become foils of each other in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, is two of our player uh, characters. Shadow yeah. and Nightlight, hundred percent. Huh? Shadow and Nightlight. Oh well, yeah, that I wasn't even thinking about those two, but yeah, I mean that's kind of implied. What the fuck else you thinking about? I was saying that there's a really interesting relationship between Chip and Volt. Oh, yeah, 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 no, 100%. I think that that's, like, fully there, which, I mean, also, yeah, if you have a shadow-based character and a light-based character, that's... And then you have Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Also, Frankenstein works for the FBI, <laughs> and the monster is on the most wanted list, actually number one. Yeah, it's... I, I... Crazy fucking circumstances, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, I, I love the the walking into and then trying to give myself a little bit of credit coming up with those... those um character relationships, NPC things. It's fun. Yeah. It makes the game more lived and breathed in. I can give you all a more like emotionally grounded experience. Yeah. It's fun. But uh, fantasy in particular, I think the reason why I struggle with it so much is, is so much of it seems inconsequential. Yeah. And it's like we've seen it all. We've done it all. There's only so many ways you can kill a dragon and so many ways like you can do this crazy absurd shit at the ninth level and it's all this stuff. Also, other... I'm just not compelled to that world because I think you can <laughs> do more fun shit when and like also like I'm, I, my rule, I think I said, was like, cool, if the world doesn't have indoor plumbing, I'm probably not going to fuck with it. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I still kind of stand by that. <laughs> like, I would infinitely rather play in, like, a steampunk universe than a fantasy universe. At least they have plumbing. I mean, it's just, like, the vibes, man. Like, yeah. it's like... Civilization. Things, things can feel a little bit more modern. A lot of fantasy stuff, it doesn't feel like you're allowed to say the word fuck, which is, like, weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is stuffy. Yeah. <laughs> 
We gotta say like old oh, ye ass yeah. language. Oh ye motherfucking bitch ass. <laughs> Still said it. I know. Still said it. I should I'm like fully a theater student. I could have pulled out Shakespeare. Ye, ye motherfucking <laughs> bitch ass. Just added the word ye to it. Sir. <laughs> this is a tavern. Thou art I was about we to don't say something swear I here. I was about to say something I really can't say on the podcast. Um Thou art a harlot. That's not what I was going to say. Um, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Okay, thank you all for tuning in to another <laughs> episode of Table Talk, uh, Valentine's Day special, NPC relationships, and this fantastic quiz. Yeah. See you next Thursday. I thought you See were going to add more. See you next Thursday. See you next Thursday. <laughs>